So welcome once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast. Time now for our weekly reviews show. So this is going to be uh, us going over the best of the releases from the 11th of March. Uh, your host as always, Alan. Delighted to be joined by... Hey, it's Roddy here. And, and Keith. And how are you guys keeping are you all good? Yeah, all good here. Yeah. Um, and hopefully our listeners are all good. Yes, we hope everyone's okay with everything that's going on in the world. It's uh, uh, strange times, strange times. Strange times indeed. Um, and obviously with everything going on as well, we would normally sort of kick things off with what's happening in the entertainment world, the comic world, that kind of thing. But obviously with more uh, important matters, shall we say, uh, going on in the world right now, there's not a, a massive amount of news. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the, 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 the movie world has... Uh, has shut down. Um, Same with the television worlds. Yeah, you know the, the the generally the arts world. I mean the the theaters are closing all over. Um, they uh, there's a lot of gigs. You know whether they be large scale gigs um, or more local gigs are being are being postponed or cancelled um, as a result of the, the 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 what's now been declared as the coronavirus pandemic. Um, so it's like something out of The Walking Dead. Yeah, luckily we've all read that, so we're all prepared for what's oh, coming absolutely. next. absolutely. You all stocked up and ready to go. <laughs> I hope you're not panic buying, because those people are dicks. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we have uh, like 23 toilet rolls in our house, so we're all good for now. Um, I'm going to let you in a secret. The coronavirus doesn't give you the shits. <laughs> Except for the old joke of one person coughs and a hundred people. <laughs> Um, but yeah I mean obviously with everything going on in the world as I say there's not a lot of sort of entertainment news and all the rest to go through but obviously it's uh, it has forced uh, a lot of us to you know spend a bit more time indoors maybe catching up on certain bits and pieces what have you guys been watching in the last week well I suppose it is kind of funny you know as we're saying that you know all of these you know movies and 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 sort of shutting down production and you know the uh, cinemas are, are are shutting down and all public gatherings. You know, so obviously Netflix probably rubbing its hands together. <laughs> going, all right, everybody's stuck in yeah. the house. You say, don't be surprised if Disney Plus suddenly launches early. Oh yeah, yeah. I had a conversation with someone about that today. So, uh, yeah. I mean, there's 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 an awful lot of good stuff to to keep you occupied. Yeah. Uh, throughout the day, you know, if you're uh, if you're stuck with nothing to do, I mean, I'm. Uh, I, I was given the word that I'm going to be working from home from today, so uh, I've I've got plenty of work to keep me occupied. Um, so all that Netflix serves to do is be a is be a tempestuous distraction. <laughs> um, but uh, God, what am I watching? I watched episode eight of Picard last night. Uh, oh my God, that show! Uh, Patrick Stewart back as as Jean Luc Picard, one of the finest characters in, in modern fiction um and the story that they're telling is beautiful there was a lovely episode seven was was just a wee a wee heartstring plucker um and uh episode eight just they're just uh, just ramping up so we've got two more episodes left that's a two-parter um this week and next week um watched the third episode of lock and key with Bruna, and because that's so good that's now become something that we're watching together which is a bit of a pain in the butt because we live <laughs> apart. <laughs> so uh, that um, Ozark season three launches on March twenty seventh. Oh, yes, I've been waiting for that for, for a year and a half. Looking forward yeah. to that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's some good stuff. I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm in a bit of a Star Trek renaissance as a result of Picard. 
and I'm on season two of uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, so I'm really, really loving that. Oh, you're uh, making your way through that fairly, yeah. fairly well. Yeah. Uh, did get to the cinema before everything started to close down to see Dark Waters uh, with Mark Ruffalo. He who is the Hulk, or uh, the Hulk and, and and Bruce Banner in the in the Marvel movies. So uh, I really, really, I really enjoyed that. I, that that has been probably my favorite movie of the year so far. Uh, probably a, a career high for Mr. Ruffalo and the story uh, based on a true story about a corporate lawyer who uh, who goes to work against uh, the chemical company DuPont uh, for effective, effectively poisoning the human race, um, you know, starting it in his hometown and going from there. So, yeah, really, really good show, really good show. What about you guys? Well, I also went to the cinema just before uh, everything shut down. Um, Flying the comic book flag, I understand. Yeah, um, I don't think the film I went to see was as uh, top quality as Dark Waters, but yeah, I went to see Bloodshot. Um, Ooh. We were, just to preface it, we were going to see Bloodshot. <laughs> you were going to see Bloodshot? Or no, we were going to see Dark Waters, but the person I was this with This review was comes late. with a disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we ended up being like, Do you know what? Let's let's go see Bloodshot. Um, it's based on a comic. I don't know much about the comic character itself. But, but how can um, that be bad? Yeah. Um. To me, it was. You know, it's not the best. I would not recommend going to see it. Um. And you probably won't get a chance to see it because all the cinemas are shut down. <laughs> well, interestingly, um, the idea behind Bloodshot was that this was going to kick a valiant cinematic universe. Uh, based on <laughs> based on the two it's, thumbs down from no. Roddy, this is uh, not going to um, happen. It's it like it's not even like there. There are certain a Vin Diesel movie can be great with like Chronicles of Riddick. Um, I know people are big Fast and Furious fans, that sort of thing. But um, this this just um, everything about it. I think I feel like it was badly cast. Um, it's a very effects driven film, which to me that signals a sign of like not great quality. I felt the story was really just not engaging at all. I thought it started okay, but then it just it fell off a cliff. It tried to do a lot of different things and repeat itself. I'm not on, am I? What's going on there? Am yeah, I? You're all good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What what were you doing? I thought you're, just I thought you're just up to something. Yeah. Just, <laughs> we're gonna have to cut that. <laughs> Sorry, we can we can we can um, do that in post. But yeah, just um just not a very engaging film. Um it So it wasn't even one of those so bad it's good movies. No, I th- I think I, I went in thinking, do you know what? I think it could be I think it could have that charm to it, but it it, it just really didn't have anything. Every didn't have any real fun to it you know um just wasn't engaging at all and it's, it's a shame because i like i thought you know what it's the first big valiant release you know but um certainly compared to a marvel film just didn't didn't feel up to that quality you yeah. know um in terms of other stuff earth x i've been reading uh which keith very kindly lent to me a fantastic series alex ross mm-hmm. jim kruger jim kruger it's utterly it's very dense as i was trying to explain to alan um a lot of effort required to it but it's it's a fantastic book yeah it's one of those one of those books you can't really take your mind off it for too long you can't be sitting reading it and drifting <laughs> off watching something in the background it's not no, one of those books no. yeah um and then yeah that's about it um uh my job i am a, well i'm still going to work at the moment as of right now 
Uh, I suppose that could all change. So um, looking forward to Westworld, which I saw is just starting up with season three. I need to watch season two. Get I on need that. to watch yeah. season one. Fantastic you show. You do. Um, and need to catch up on Got All the Outsider Taped and looking forward need to catch up on better call soul but i think that's it for me well yeah the the outsider was something vic and i very much enjoyed we finished that the other night uh we clearly had a thing for serial killer stuff where kids are being murdered so moved on to true detective season three we watch very happy television sometimes something's killing the children yes yeah exactly uh but yeah the outsider was awesome really great uh, Better Call Saul is one I'm one episode behind on, but it just continues to be wonderful. I need to I need to give that another whirl. I think I tried to watch it after Breaking Bad had finished, and Breaking Bad was fantastic. And the first episode, I watched it, and I just, I just, I just. It's it I I think Better Call Saul is very acquired television. It's very slow, very deliberately paced, very character driven. But brilliant, and it's magic at times. and there others oh, times you're watching and it's just it's a cut above other TV shows. It's the way you felt sometimes when you were watching Watchmen. You were like, this is this is something mm. better than just traditional TV. Everything, all of the the nouns you've just used applied to one of my favorite series of all time, which is The Wire. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know, be- yeah, Better Call Saul. Yeah, and the thing about it is, it's very uniquely structured in that there'll be black and white parts that are set after the end of Breaking Bad, but the crux of the show is prequel to breaking right, bad right 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 so right. it's fair it's just very very good uh but just speaking of your you're talking about movies there that could they be so bad that they're good Vic and i watched uh six underground the other day i don't know if you've you even know what it is but it's a michael bay movie made for netflix with ryan reynolds in it oh it, yeah i've seen it it's 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 on their banner at the yeah, minute it was yeah. a it was like a 200 million dollar netflix movie it is so outrageous, over the top, and fun. It's like just 90s throwback. It's like what Bad Boys for Life was. You know, you'll f- have a great time watching it. You'll forget about it as soon as it's over, but while it's on, it's pretty damn entertaining. So, <laughs> Which, uh, I watched, I rewatched Bad Boys 1 and Bad Boys 2, but I never got around to watching Bad Boys for Life. <laughs> and now your chance has passed. <laughs> uh, you might get it on VOD at some point. Yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe. And then, yeah, I watched Knives Out the other day. I thought it was pretty fantastic That's, as well. Uh, Daniel Johnson, Craig. Daniel Craig. Mm. Brilliant cast to it. Daniel Craig. You have Michael Shannon in there. You had... Um, oh, Michael Shannon. Don John, John Johnson in there. Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. And uh, Man of Steel. Don Johnson as well. And, uh, yeah, it was a real sort of ensemble cast. But, yeah, really good sort of murder mystery, so... Yeah, uh, I guess we all may get used to watching TV shows and movies over the next little while. I don't know. And I'm, of course, uh, reading comics. I'm uh, I'm a wee bit addicted to No Man's Sky. <laughs> wee bit. As long as the internet's working, case all good. I don't know. I don't. I don't play online. Oh, play online? No, 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 no. I thought no, it was no. online only. Obviously not. No, 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 yeah. no, no. I've I've never ever ventured to play a game online yet. I think um, you need you need the internet to download the updates and that's Oh, uh, okay. Mm. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, I should say we're recording this uh, on Monday the sixteenth. Uh, as of today, we are still open. We're obviously planning to be open as long as we can. The Smithfield Market, of course, is owned by the Belfast City Council, so. It could be, you know, their decision at any time could close the markets down, given everything that's going on. But for the moment, we're open, but we'll try our best to keep everybody up to date on social media. And uh, what is the contingency? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's it. Uh, I mean, there's, there's still a lot of things up in the air at the moment. The, 
The contingency will be certainly if it comes to it, Vicky and I will bring all the pull lists to our home. We'll be able to sort out weekly deliveries, break down pull lists we can deliver to people's houses. It's obviously not ideal, but it's it's certainly something we'd like to do. We don't want to, you know, deny people their comics or they'll have to be waiting, you know, ten weeks and then suddenly they're handed a pile of, you know, you know, Keith went to Thailand for four weeks. He didn't have a fun time when I handed him his pull list from four weeks. That was two years ago, and I've only just caught up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'd like to give people that, that option and that opportunity. So that's that's one um, backup plan. So, uh, yeah, we're just we're just playing it day by day and just trying to keep people informed and keep them up to date with everything. So, uh, yeah, just keep an eye on the old social media channels for all of that, and uh, we'll keep you guys in the loop. I mean, I guess the, the, the key is whether or not diamond keeps distributing well this is also another thing you know obviously you know the comics are sent over here on planes you know i understand that america have now closed down all their airports and commercial planes and all that kind of stuff anyway so i I, again i'm not sure but we'll just keep an eye on it with diamond and hopefully they'll keep us up to date and go from there coffee and heroes on facebook coffee and heroes one on twitter that's it facebook twitter instagram you can find us on all of those and of course we'll keep you up to date if you are just solely dedicated to this awesome podcast and we will also keep going for as long as it's viable we will you know i mean i i think it might even reach a point if we're all housebound you know i'll just have to invite you guys around and we'll have to record a commentary to batman v superman the extended edition yeah no hi <laughs> There are things worse than coronavirus. <laughs> that is, yeah, and they're called Justice League, but that's not the point. But no, I, I, I genuinely have been thinking though about maybe doing a few more commentaries. Like I've been thinking of things like how can I keep content going for the business or different bits and pieces if mm. you know we are having to close and stuff like that. Alan, we want more listeners, not less. I'll have you know that if you look at the numbers, people enjoy my drunken ramblings on Batman v Superman. <laughs> but no, it was, it was something I was thinking about genuinely, like doing yeah. some of the Marvel movies or, you know, some of the TV shows or bits yeah, and pieces. Yeah, that would be just, something that we could do, yeah. That's it. You just, you know, you hook up the mic, sit around the sofa. Just, you know, we, we know the Marvel movies, for example. I mean, you know, the first phase of Marvel, I've probably seen seven, eight, nine times each. So I probably know it well enough to sort of comment on it. It'd be interesting to watch with Keith. He'd pick up far more references than me. So I think stuff like that might be something to yeah, consider. Definitely, so, I think definitely. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think yeah. so. I just finished a phase one rewatch with Bruno. It was yeah. a rewatch for me. It was a first watch for her. Um, and she's not put off it. Then she's happy to keep going oh, through the phases, powering forward. You know, even with me sitting beside, chittering away, going, "You need to watch this bit. You need to watch this bit. This bit's class." I, I can just imagine you like tapping her, like, "We need to see this bit. We see this bit." Look, we see this bit. Look, look at that background detail. Look at that sign. Do you know that sign? That sign is from uh, Amazing Fantasy, uh, number seventeen, and that. <laughs> <laughs> Does yeah. she have a favorite so far of pure interest? Uh, Phase I... one, what would that have been? Iron Man one and two, Captain America, First Avenger, Incredible Hulk. I think she enjoyed Thor Captain America, Avengers. and I think she enjoyed Thor. Um, certainly at last, at last, uh, touch base. I mean, it's hard, be hard not to enjoy Avengers. Yeah, it's it is it is an exceptionally fun movie. It still holds up well, mm. well cast, well put together. But, uh, I mean, Captain America, the First Avenger. That's a it's a solid, solid show. Like, I think it's the best of all their origin mm, movies. Yeah, I have to say. Yeah, I think so. And a lot of that's down to just how good Chris Evans is. Oh, I should say Chris Evans was in Knives Out as well. He plays a fantastic dick in it. <laughs> I have to say, which is you know totally different to what we're used to through the Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. So anyway, anyway, comic books, comic books indeed. So yeah, we're going to be going through the best of, uh, as I say, March the eleventh. Uh, so last week's comics. 
Uh, what were everybody's totals for that week? There's one thing we need to uh, say before that. And what's that? Spoiler that this heavy. Will be spoiler filled. The thing I forgot to say in the last podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Spoilers are plenty. We'll be coming with this one. Um. So yeah, we're breaking down our books. So for example, this week I had fourteen books. Uh, I'm not liking that ratio at all. Like, what's your ratio? Six Marvel, four DC, four indie. See your bloody influence, Miller. I'm not liking it. Well, he's influenced me too, because I I only had five at a smaller week, but I had four Marvel. Well, actually, yeah, four Marvel, two indie, and no, hold on, because I bought. <laughs> I'm explaining myself badly here. Uh, I bought um, five on my pull list, and then Alan convinced me to get another indie book. So just this evening, I had six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, I had four Marvel two indie in the end and zero dc big fat zero wah, wah. but i think i win this week then yeah uh i had uh, 18 books whenever i say i win you win because i've got them all <laughs> of you um uh 18 books 14 marvel two dc two indie yeah, that is quite the spread. Yeah, it was a very Marvel heavy week in general. I mean, the delivery we're expecting this week, fingers crossed, comes. It is very DC heavy, for mm. example, and and swings and roundabouts with these kind of things. I mean, there were lots of big releases, and they were all sort of AAA Marvel titles last week. You know, we'll we'll certainly get into to some of those, but you know, there was a lot of their big characters had new books this week. There was you know a new launch for an uh, an X title. Uh, just lots of good stuff. So, yeah, as I said, swings and roundabouts when it comes to the release scheduling. So, uh, so with that in mind, in terms of our picks of the week, despite how heavy a week it was for Marvel, <laughs> and despite my annoyance at my lack of DC, I'm the only one that picked a Marvel title for book of the week. <laughs> <laughs> you two are on, Andy. Yeah. Why don't Why don't you kick us off, Roddy? What was your pick of the week for the eleventh? Yeah, I'll go March? for this one. Um, this one was one I have been really looking forward to. Um, it's called North Bend, and the reason the reason I actually picked it, um, the writer is Ryan Ellsworth, and the artist is Rob Carey. Colorist is D. Cunniff. Letter Letterer Thomas Marr. Um, this one is number one from Scout Comics. Um. I'd heard about this, I think it was a couple of years ago, it appeared on Kickstarter, and Robert Carey is somebody I'm really interested in because he's an Irish artist, and I've kind of been following his work for a while, and he did um, Aliens Resistance, which is a fantastic book. Um, it's a shame about the writer, but enough about that. Um, yeah, so Ro- like Rob Carey's a really interesting guy. Um, what I really found interesting was... This was done before Aliens Resistance. This was completed in, I think the first couple of issues were a Kickstarter together in 2018. Um, So only now is it seeing a release from Scout Comics. So it just shows you how... How long the process can be sometimes. sometimes. um, Like, did Scout just pick it up? Was it always in the works? I don't really know. But um, it's a really interesting book for me because I felt... There's another big indie title that we'll get to, um, and it felt like really grand. It feels like a like Christopher Nolan kind of film, mm-hmm. whereas for me, this one felt like a smaller, sort of like a 
trying to find a comparison. There's a film called Another Earth, which is really great small like contained uh science fiction film is that the one where the the poster is of a girl looking up at the sky and she can see another earth yes i've always wanted to watch that i've never got around to it fantastic it's fantastic very resting image i always thought well it's good the poster stuck in your mind so it must be good um yeah so this one loved it from the start i thought it was really cool concept um Basically, I think it's one for Keith as well. It's in the not too distant future. The U.S. is at war against Russia uh, and its own people. The country is on the verge of economic collapse and political revolution. Desperate to regain control, the CIA recruits Seattle DEA agent Brendan Cruz to test an experimental mind-controlled drug on unwitting Americans. And we're actually introduced to, to Sam, I believe it is, who's had the... Um, the experimental mind control drugs on him um and then compelled by a sense of duty to his country brendan struggles to keep his life from falling apart as he tries to reconcile his personal beliefs with the security of the nation um this story is loosely inspired by the true events of uh, mk ultra do you know about this keith yeah ah see i knew we'd get him alan um, a secret cia project that took place during the cold war where experimental drugs such as LSD and other mind control methods were tested on people without their knowledge. Um, and I just wrote research that one, lads. So that's one for you to go home and look up. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, starts off going through the main issue of the book. We sort of start off with um, Sam, who's been sort of holed up and he sort of had the mind control drug on him and he ends up kind of... I think he has to sell it. He gets conned, basically, and he has to sell off his um, fortune. And then Brendan, the DA agent, is sort of sequestered into helping the CIA to test these mind control drugs. Um, I thought it was a great... It's a really stunning debut issue, and I loved how... I love how low-key it is, but it also... There's a lot going on in it. Um d Conniff's colors are brilliant it starts off really sort of drained and sort of restrained and then it gets it gets crazier and crazier oh, wow. as the issue That's goes a, on. yeah um yeah really cool really cool book just a really funky sort of something a bit different i would say um i really like the subject matter in a keith and the conspiracy mm. nature and there's a lot going on in it um but by the end, it's it's. The, yeah, it says you're, you're you're sort of flicking through there. The 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 backgrounds darken as the you know you've got the the seem to be the, the book seems to be separated into thirds there nearly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you head about there and things get a wee bit, wee bit dark, and then by the end here you're. Uh, by the end here you're really, you know, darks and blacks and. And that's yeah, yeah that's kind fantastic. of thing. It reminds yeah. me of ripped like a... back covers and you know, <laughs> all sorts. Well, do you want to tell the diamond story? Uh, I'm sure people who <laughs> listen to this podcast are sick listening to me bitch about diamond, but yeah, this my copy is the one we're flicking through now, and it was one that was severely damaged to say the least. And somebody uh, forgot to bring his uh, and his uh, issues. You know, I I actually thought Keith was going to cry earlier when he saw the back of this comic. You know, it's. Mm. 
you know, I feel like this one should be, you know, burned at some point. We should give it a proper burial or something. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I really dug the book as well. It, I thought it was a little slow coming together at the start. There were a lot of story threads, but it started to come together really nicely around the middle. Uh, as you say, yeah, there's a lot of sort of stuff to do with like sense of duty to your country. There's undercover stuff. There's conspiracy stuff. You've got this, like, I thought the character of the scientist was really interesting. The one whose hand gets cut and he yeah, gets exposed yeah. to it. And then he's just very suggestive to anything. And there's a great scene in it where he walks outside and this guy goes, I think you should give me $20 out of your wallet. And he takes his wallet and goes, hold on a second, I've got more than $20. And he sees a credit union there. And then like the other parts of the story happen. Then like four pages later, he looks at his credit union receipt and he's withdrawn 60 grand and giving it to the guy. Just because he's, he's incredibly been... suggestible as result exactly. Of drug, yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it's a really interesting first issue. I thought. Yeah, that's that's it. There's not much to go about it. Not much more you can really say. It's just a really. I like what Scott Comics are doing. That it seems like there's always a great sort of number one jumping on point. You know, there's, and they pick up these great. You know, it may take a couple of years, but they pick up these great Kickstarter books and sort of make them their own and give them give them a new sort of audience i suppose like mm. bringing them the bringing a kickstarter book to the direct market so that's that's a great thing and uh we always talk about following artists uh artists and writers and rob carey is certainly an irish artist to uh, keep your eye on excellent so that was roddy's pick of the week then which is north bend number one uh so yeah so we'll break up the uh the indie loving we have this week <laughs> uh we'll break that up with uh my pick of the week which was a marvel book uh this is a series that again we've probably talked about before because i think this has been a, a thoroughly excellent uh continuation of uh you know legacy character but certainly under a, a new direction uh, so my pick of the week was Thor number four, uh, written by Donny Cates, art by Nick Klein with Matt Wilson on colors. And we do always try to give shout outs to all of the creators involved with stuff. And I think Matt Wilson's colors here deserve special mention as well. Um, so Thor issue three, I thought was really good, but I, it was it was a very quick read. It was very much the, the throwdown issue. Issue three was essentially one long fight sequence between Better A Bill and Thor. So Thor at this point, you know, he's got the power. He's now Galactus's herald as he helps him uh, absorb all this power from eating different planets so he can face the Black Winter. There are five planets with special abilities yep. that Galactus needs to eat in order to uh, ready him to face the, the Black Winter. And yeah. So Thor is obviously much more compassionate than Galactus. He wants to make sure either these... Um, these planets are evacuated or people have been safely taken off them before Galactus feeds on them. Uh, so the issue kicks off actually with a confrontation between Thor and Lady Sif um, because Sif is now Guardian of the Bifrost and uh, she's there at first to protect Better A Bill and also to you know question Thor. You know, Slap when, some sense into him. Yeah, I mean, when she first comes down to him, her first words are, Thor, you unbelievable horse's ass. <laughs> you know? Um, Thor may be the new Allfather, but uh, Sif and Thor have grown up together and have come up together and have uh, shared a, a rarely declared romance together so she she can say that to him. Yeah. yeah, he's still probably like a stubborn or soul too, you know. Just yeah. Cause he's oh <laughs> yeah, absolutely. More, more so, yeah. I think than than ever before. Uh, yeah. Now that he possess, possesses the Odin power, he very much 
wants to not be like his father and 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 in turn is, is like his like father, his father <laughs> as a result yeah. of not wanting to be a thing yeah yeah i mean it's uh and it's an interesting uh, tactic that Sif uses here because obviously she's very confrontational, but at the same time she's very, very complimentary towards Thor. You know, at one point he's talking about, you know, oh, this is madness. My father would never stand for such a thing. And she's like, look, you're not your father. You're better, you know. And she's really trying to reason with him in a way where, in a weird way, she's massaging his ego a little bit. But uh, before you get to that, you get to one of the best parts of the book, I thought. Uh, Thor essentially throws Mjolnir at her. And she makes the... <laughs> she the hammer, summons the Bifrost. And the hammer disappears, <laughs> and she's no idea where it's going. So it ends up in the frozen wastelands of Jotunheim and lands in front of Loki. He is, of course, the king of Jotunheim, the king of the and, Frost Giants. You know, Loki looks at it, and he's sort of like, hmm, interesting. And then he, he sort of keeps looking around it, and he, he's like, what the hell is this? Is, is it a trick, a trap, a test? Hmm, I wonder... And obviously it goes into the background of the hammer and being like this powerful, unbreakable magic was placed upon it long ago by the All-Father Odin. However, as Odin himself would tell you, things change. And Loki's able to pick up the hammer. And then it's like, but this is a story for another time. <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting. Does this does this call back to the the what was happening in the first issue, which was also, by the way, your pick of the week yep. uh, some weeks back? Um, when Thor's struggling whenever Thor yeah, he's struggling to heft the hammer what's going on and Loki mentions that to him he goes uh, well, brother was the was the hammer ever that, that heavy before yeah so there's there's a there's another story going on here I mean or I mean it is what Thor is doing with Galactus making him less worthy and but then that doesn't explain why Loki why Loki is able to pick up the hammer with ease yeah with consummate ease it has to be said so but uh, yeah, Thor is still worthy anyway because he's able to call Mjolnir back to him as well. Uh, the rest of the issue is pretty heavily concerned with uh, with Galactus feeding, essentially. Which what I really, really enjoyed about this was like the first time you see Galactus when he's breaking up, you know, the conversation between Sif and Thor. You know, he just looks massive and majestic and huge and you know all powerful. And again, call back to the first issue where he he had lost limbs. Having just been, you know, yeah, tumbled into Asgard, yeah. yeah. But I mean, there's this great sense of scale and awe and wonder to Galactus. But mm -hmm. by the end of the issue, he's literally like, oh, know, he's leveling up. Like he's like, yeah. but but more even so than that, you know, you're talking about the Black Winter. By the end of the issue, he's like a needle in a haystack. Uh, he's despite dwarfed, this yeah. uh, whole issue is set up, showing how vast and powerful he is. But but the um, I love that scene as well. There's a scene so. Whenever he was fighting Bitter A Bill, mm -hmm. uh, Thor shared the power cosmic, which so Thor has the power of Thor. He also has the Odin power, being the All Father, and Galactus has given him the power cosmic, being the Herald of Galactus. Whenever he was fighting Bitter A Bill, Thor kind of went, "Well, this isn't fair," and he shared the power cosmic, and now he takes the power cosmic back from Galactus. I mean, despite how powerful Galactus is, Thor goes, "Hold on a second. <laughs> and uh, nips the nips the power cosmic back from him. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's one of those things. Donny Cates, I think, sometimes is he's not given enough credit for being an emotional writer. He gets a lot of credit as being like almost this rock and roll writer. He's cool at writing kick ass stuff, kick ass scenes, that kind of thing. And there is a lot of that as it shows, you know, Galactus feeding on a couple of different planets and leveling up and all that kind of stuff. But the fifth planet that he goes to, uh, called Cairo, 
uh, is really interesting because, you know, Thor arrives and he's saying, greetings, don't be alarmed. I'm Thor, king of Asgard, I come in peace. And even though these people know what is about to happen, they know they're about to be feasted upon by Galactus because he, he's in the background looking very, very menacing just up by the, the two sons. They sort of go, we know of what you want. We will not leave our home. My armies are not assembled against you. We will aid you in our fight. You know, it's quite emotional and sort of like, Definitely, we know we're yeah, going to die. Yeah, we but, know there's a bigger thing here. Yeah, but we will, you know, sacrifice ourselves for that. And as you have this really cool emotional beat, Galactus just sort of gets bored and goes, oh, screw this, I'm just going to eat this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I, I sort of in, interpreted it a wee bit different. You know, they had said, yeah, we, you know, we will aid you in your fight, but I don't think they realized that aiding in the fight meant they have to give up their world. Yeah. You know, Thor's like, oh, guys. I don't know. I, I, I sort of thought that they knew what was going to happen because they're, they are facing, they can see Galactus in the background. Galactus, you know, as we've talked about before, that's what a reputation's for. His reputation <laughs> precedes him. Yeah. So they're, they're actually looking directly up past Thor yes, and they can see yeah. him there. Okay. Okay. And yeah. I sort of thought like, like they know this planet's about to be destroyed, but but I just thought it was a really nice emotional well, and thing. And the other thing is Galactus doesn't get bored. Galactus suddenly sees the Black Winter upon them. You know, mm. he, he goes, he goes, he goes, yep. Uh, in fact, he says that, doesn't he? Well, he does, but at the same time, he does sort of say like, you know, Thor says, oh, I didn't give you permission to feed on this planet. And he goes, Galactus needs no permission. So he sort of goes with the sort of standing up to yeah, him gesture yeah. first You've... and then goes, oh, the Black Winter is here. Yeah. You know, so it's, uh, but yeah, just really, really great issue. And, um, you know, you do get this feeling of this awesome power and this awesome scope of this enemy called the Black Winter. Um, but yeah, just continues to be one of Marvel's best titles. Um, I mean, I'm really enjoying Venom as well, but I think this is Donnie Kidd's best title for Marvel at the moment. Uh, and the art by Nick Klein is just awesome every time. Uh, I think we have a fight in our hands as well. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, Scott Snyder's talking about metal and death metal and all of this. I don't, <laughs> I don't think you get any more metal than Thor. <laughs> you know I mean? I think. That's that's the direction certainly Donny Kids. Would, would you have called, I mean, I'm I'm reading Jason Iron's run now, but I'm, I'm very early on in it. But it seems to me very classical storytelling, oh, very mythical, it's, uh, as opposed to like rock and roll. Oh, no, like no, 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 uh, no. I'd say Jason Aaron made Thor metal. Yeah. I'd okay. say he made, uh, if you listen, I mean, you don't get any more, you don't get any more metal in Vikings. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the, the most metal, the, the, the most metal of metal music comes from Norway. Like, <laughs> and if you read, uh, if you read some of the letters, you, you won't have, of course, you're reading it in trade. So yeah. you won't have read the letters pages and all of the letters pages, uh, Jason Aaron talked about the metal tracks that he was listening to when he was writing <laughs> Thor, uh, you know, and he always has a track of the week, you know, for a while yeah. there and everything, you know, oh, okay. but, but I just, uh, you know, that, what, what made me think of that was that scene where Thor takes back the part cosmic from Galactus, you know, and Galactus goes, my part cosmic, you've taken it, you dare. Thor head bowed, Mjolnir crackling with energy goes, aye, and now I am ready. Let's end this. <laughs> you know that is class. You know that just that scene was just brilliant. Um, so yeah, I think I think we have a we have a metal battle in our hands. Yeah, I stick still back Schneider in that one. <laughs> <laughs>
But no, this is this is a fantastic book. So it is uh, really, really digging it. It's nice to be at the ground level with it. Obviously, I'll get a bit more context when I get caught up in all the Jason Iron stuff. But I just think this. I mean, Thor is. It's interesting what we are seeing. Certainly, from a store point of view, is that Thor is very similar to Batman, in that towards the end of the Batman run and towards the end of the Thor run, the pull lists there was quite a lot of people with it on pull lists but you never saw any new people whereas tinian took over batman and then it got a couple issues in and people were like i've heard good things i'll jump on this so it's now since we've opened certainly the pull lists for batman are higher than they've ever been and it's the same for thor once donny cates came on to it, it was a number one and it was a starting point thor is i think the second biggest marvel pull after venom like it's even more popular oh. than amazing spider-man and a lot of that is to do with Donny Kate's name. I think he's brought a lot of new readers to it and stuff like that as well. But it's just really interesting to see that if you give people like a, a starting point and they hear some good things, they'll jump on it because it's two issues in, three issues in, rather than, what, I need to read 25 issues to get to where we are now? I don't yeah, know about that. I think one of the hardest things in the world in comics must be getting somebody to jump in at like yeah. issue yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Whatever, I mean, I know? guess it's the reason why... Yeah. You know, whenever we're reading books and we, we pick something that's maybe deep in you going, well, this is trading, you know what yeah. I mean? Because that's, yeah. the time, that's, the, that's the time to, to jump on. But what is really interesting is whenever books give you a jumping on point yeah. and they go, right, yeah, end of the arc, this is this is a good time to jump on, you know, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll bring you with us. Yeah, so that was my pick of the week, uh, which is Thor number four. As Keith said, I did pick Thor number one. No doubt there'll be another Thor issue down the line as a pick of the week again, I'm sure. Oh, don't doubt it. Yeah, so we go from one of Marvel's superstar writers to another of Marvel's superstar writers, but not a Marvel title. That's very, very true. Keith, what um, do you got for us? So I've got in front of me a book that we were all sort of looking forward to last week. Um, I think I was maybe, I don't know, lucky to pick it or, uh, or whatever, but um, I've got Decorum number one. Uh, by Jonathan Hickman and Mike Huddleston, uh, and uh, it's it's an image book, uh, and it's uh, Huddleston did the the whole the whole kit and caboodle. I think it's he did the colours and the the inking as well, um, and it is quite the revelation. Well, it's interesting because going into Decorum, all we knew about it was it was Hickman, and it was to do with a mannerly assassin. I, and it's it's that not, was it. That's not it's, it's that would be that would be not how I would. I don't know. This is so so. One thing that Alan uh, Alan said to me after we both read it was he goes not content not content with with creating a language for Krakoa and X-Men he's gone ahead and created another one yeah. for for this and but he hasn't given us the key to figuring it out yet um, so it's I mean it's it's you can already tell it's a hefty book because you know the first the first two pages you know inside cover and the first page it's all sort of intricate designs and we've got the credits and then the next double page spread We've got the title of the book and, and some of this weird sort of language that he's, you know. And then we've got another two pages with the subtitle in the first chapter. Do you not think it was a bit 
I I started to think that whenever I got to here, yeah, I started to think whenever I got six pages in, and I thought, where? Yeah, like you could, you could condense that. Yeah, like exactly. That. <laughs> it's and all then, about the build, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The build. And then I opened the next page, pages seven and eight, and uh, page seven uh, talks about the solar imperial preserves and what they are. So the Hickman world building begins mm-hmm. uh, at a at a galactic level. And there you go. You know, and then the first page has just got this gorgeous uh like it's nearly like a watercolor <laughs> you know mm-hmm, of yeah. of this classic pirate ship sitting off the coast of this what looks like a pacific island you know and we've also then embedded in that got got a black and white uh ink ink only picture and then we've got a, a pencil shaded picture all showing the same thing and i thought oh my god this is what is this you know um and what is this? Um, I mean, it's the first. It's divided in the books. Divided into three, isn't it? Three chapters. Yeah. I think so yeah. Um, I believe it's three chapters. Uh, yeah, it is, it is. Yeah, I was yeah. reading it earlier. It's like three chapters with like various different. Yeah. Like, so so the the first chapter is very much about world building, about these solar preserves that uh, that the preserves are an artifact of ten thousand year plan to mitigate the effects of mass expansion during the golden age of old solar empire. Uh, the forced acquisition of Goldilocks planets, which are not rare, but finite in number, and we know what Goldilocks planets are. They are, uh, they are planets that uh, that are neither too hot nor too cold, that, that exist within a specific... Just right. That, that are just right, exactly, that are not too far away from the sun, not too close to the sun, that, you know, have just enough land, just enough water. Earth is a Goldilocks planet. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, the result, the, the the forced acquisition of Goldilocks planet resulted in the indigenous creatures of any clean world being initially preserved on any world and in some version of their natural habitat. So we've already started. I mean, there's a page of this, of you know exactly what these imperial preserves are. You know, and clearly what happens, what happens in the first in the first chapter takes place in in an imperial reserve, uh, or preserve, uh, where you have these indigenous people and. Uh, what looks like a like a a robot cavalier appears and they attack it with some sort of magic and there's different kinds of different types of art and I was trying to figure out does the do the different kinds of art you know there's some that are this sort of nearly watercolor there's some that are this just this inked yeah, very dynamic yeah almost. yeah yeah and there's some that are yeah there's some that are that are inked and colored and you're like is this is so is this from different points of view is this from the point of view of the indigenous people is this from the point of view of an external narrator is this from the point of view of uh, the you know the the robot cavalier thing you know um but yeah it all just goes it all goes from there and uh there's there's probably too much even in the first chapter just to go into in a <laughs> in a short review but needless to say it's it's something to behold and then these individuals appear who appear to be some form of religious type you know, there's a there there's there's certainly some some iconography you'd associate with like a church of some kind and um and certainly if you're looking at you're looking at uh these cavaliers are uh I guess the 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 robot cavaliers but they're they seem to be almost like like Spanish cavaliers. Conquistadors you know, Conquistadors, yeah. exactly. And you know, the conquistadors were all backed by the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's it's certainly what the Church of Singul- the Singularity, Church of Singularity you know, which yeah. we, which we find out a little more about, you know, just oh god, even you know this, 
as these these the church's singularity approach the indigenous people, they appear to have some sort of hidden technology which uh, takes off off the planet, it's and like you just te- you know tether or something. Yeah, it's I don't know. It just shows the direction it's going in off the out into the solar system. It's <laughs> almost looks like someone's flying a kite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just says this is the path that it took, and then we have the next section, which is which is subtitled galactic sectors, which is the empires, the alliances, etc. Pyramid locations, where are the mothers? Sector details, societies in conflict, planet data, a floating world. So, and then we go into the, we go into a series of, you know, we, we, we've we seen this in, in, in X-Men, you know, those moments where the story stops and there's just a page of explanation stuff, you know, so this explains entire, the entire galaxy and the, 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 the alliances and the, the various, you know, we, the the Church of Singularity and the the uh, major syndicate, major and the Union and different things that own which part of the which parts of the galaxy they own. And it, we don't know what these pyramids are, but we see the galaxy map and we see we see that you know this, these pyramids are are located certainly in in one half of the galaxy mostly, and that the older pyramids, again, whatever the pyramids are, seem to be on the outside of the galaxy, where the newer pyramids are on the inside of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, are these pyramids? Is that the thing that took off from the preserve? Is that what that was? I, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's certainly, the iconography is the yeah, same. It's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's going on there? Um, and then we talk a little bit more about the Church of Singularity and the Union uh, of the Frontier Worlds, and then uh, Daedalus, or, or sorry, Daedalus, which is an individual world, which I believe is in the core because it's got the same shape as the as the map. Um, there, uh, so there's a whole lot of going on, and so so this Deldus is a is a floating world. It's originally made entirely liquid. It was terraformed ten centuries ago. It has a number of mobile floating platforms, and the geographic makeup of uh, Deldus is constantly changing due to the highly variable tidal patterns. And because of this lack of fixed locations and constantly rearranging cities, it proves to be a magnet for black market economists and morally flexible businessmen. And then we go into chapter two. Broken bent over where we meet uh what is she called? Neha. Uh Neha who is a courier and uh, she's meeting a fixer to 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 do a courier job and it's a it seems to be a bit of a dodgy job because she's gonna be paid four times four times enough to four times as much to, to, to take it and, and again there's like a shift in the art here as well. The art yeah. style is very different to what we've seen so far mm-hmm. big style and even within this particular story there's a shift in the art side between the present and the the present and the the future um and then we're treated to uh, a double page on cryopods and what cryopods are they're located in dense warehouses they they house people who uh, had got this plague um and we're talked about the, we talk a little bit about the plague wars and who luxor financing are and He's, you know, so it's all word building. And then we've got the recipe for street noodles. <laughs> street, uh, street noodles. Street, street noodles. Yeah, absolutely. With their synth <laughs> eggs. Yeah, yeah. Synthetic protein source and, and all of that. So, so yeah. So, Naha is making it, making her way to, to, to this delivery. Uh, she has to deliver things to a, a place. And then we're at chapter three. Chapter three introduces us to, I think, the character they were talking about in the previews. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it even begins chapter three with a lesson in manners. Elbows off the table. Elbows off the table. It's hard Which to... made me think of Kingsman. 
like you know there's manners a, make yeah, with man yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely so so yeah this this individual this assassin uh, as it turns out she's uh, she's a uh, a woman who clearly manners are very very important to she's meeting this crime boss uh, there's a lot of politics going on she represents uh, she represents the syndicate major uh, the syndicate major have something has happened which means the syndicate major can't trade or can't be involved in trade relations with this uh, with 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 uh, Deldus, and therefore they go through other parties. He's one of these other parties. He has done something wrong, and she is there to deal with that particular uh, point again. The art changes constantly. The art changes within individual panels. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Keeps you really. It keeps you really off off kilter, but it also keeps you paying attention the whole way through. You know, you you can't lose attention. I mean, I find I could not take my mind off this book. I had to concentrate. The whole way through, uh, there's and then we get down to uh, this combat scene where where Naha, who is our courier from the last chapter, comes into this scene, delivers what she's supposed to deliver, the thing that she's delivering, um, to the 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 manners lady, who turns out to be called Morley, um, is a weapon of some kind, and uh, it all goes a wee bit pear shaped, and Morley then proceeds to uh, tear apart this crime boss and all his enforcers, uh, sometimes literally. Um, so yeah, she delivers her message, which, you know, is pretty brutal in the death of the crime boss. And uh, I, I think, you know, by the end of the first episode, we have the two characters that we've seen from chapter two and chapter three together. And I don't know if the point is that that Naha is going to be now taken back to become a, an assassin of some kind like this, uh, like Morley, um, who she does introduce herself as, um, how does she introduce herself? Uh, she introduces herself when she's got the sort of yes, crime boss on the ground. She does. She says, look at me, you rude little boy. I am Imogen Smith Morley and I am the greatest assassin in this spiral arm. To see me is to see death herself. Do you have any idea how many people I have killed? Uh, she, <laughs> he says, huh, huh, I don't know, are we counting abortion? She says, manners, young man. Always, Always manners. manners. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, great. Absolutely brilliant. The, the various art styles are, are fantastic. Um, apparently, next issue... Things I mean, get sketchy. Things get sketchy. Again, there's another double page of not very much happening there's one page that just has some bits and pieces and lines and stuff on it does it feel like they're taking the piss a wee bit maybe but i don't know i i kind of think that white blank space that you get just before it then further accentuates the double page colorful spread you haven't seen colorful art in this book like you do in the last two pages Mm -hmm. you know what else you haven't seen in this book any adverts nothing at all that's true one advert not even at the back. Uh, Let's put it this way. I would rather have a blank page than an advert. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And uh, I think the, I mean, the... That is unusual, actually. Yeah, yeah. the cover's interesting. The cover's not, uh, it's not shiny, it's matte. Mm-hmm. Um, the cover's the same as all of the pages. So they haven't, uh, which is really interesting. I hadn't noticed, actually, until we... You know, it's the yeah, same. It's the same matte finish. Yeah. yeah, as all of the pages. Um, 
So I don't know if this is where they've saved money on the on the not needing to advertise, or they haven't even <laughs> advertised their own books. Well, it's interesting as well. You can almost tell it's a prestige book for Image by the fact that even at the start, they have a almost like a credits list for yeah. who makes up Image Comics. Yeah. You know, it says you know, and these are all big hitters. You know, Image Comics Incorporated, Robert Kirkman, Chief Operating Officer, Eric Larson, Chief uh, Financial Officer, Todd McFarlane, President. Mark Silvestri, you know, it's these. Well, these are, are, I mean, these are the guys who made up Image in the Oh, 80s, absolutely. You know? But it's almost like they're flexing their power yeah, here to say, yeah, like, yeah, 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 this is a big book for us. Yeah. And it's unusual as well for an indie title to launch at a $4.99 price point. Mm-hmm. Very unusual. Uh, I, I actually can't remember the last indie book that did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. There's a whole lot of things I hadn't realized about this book until I had it out now. And, uh, does yeah. um so i saw sasha e head does the design pages of this does she do the x-men ones as well um is I it a name you recognize don't don't recognize no. that name um yeah well it's like it's the same vibe as x-men obviously those i think it's one of the most unique and inventive books i've ever read mm-hmm. um I don't know if I understand what's going on with the art style changing. That's really, it's gorgeous. It's absolutely fantastic. And I really want to know more, but I'm just like, what is going on? (laughs) What is going on with this art? But it's not, um, it's not like a confusing thing. It's just like, what is it trying to tell me? It's like Hickman is like trying to push you to think more and push yourself. I nearly, I nearly feel that, uh, that you know, when has done with uh, with X Men and to a lesser extent Avengers before it, uh, he's you know he's always doing what he does, but he's doing what he does for like an X Men. He's an X Men audience. You know, he's going well. What can I get away with? I can only get away with so much there. Here, I can do whatever I want. I would say that Kirkman and Image have gone here, Jonathan. <laughs> go on, play. <laughs> <laughs> It's, yeah, um, I mean, the next book he does, I don't want to see it, but for now, this is great. It's a, it's an interesting way of telling a story, and could he fit all that within the confines of just like a normal story? Probably not. Oh, I love all that world building and all the galactic sectors and pyramid locations, really interesting helps build up the mystery like i mean he's uh he's gone from from world building in krakoa and building a culture in, on krakoa and the x-men to building an entire galaxy <laughs> i'm having two separate languages for <laughs> yeah, each yeah, yeah yeah just baffling and uh it's just crazy and uh i'm really interested to see what issue two is like it'll not be the same size will it be back to more traditional sort of covers will it be Back to traditional, you know, having adverts. You I know. think that's your cover. But uh, I yeah, think I think you're, yeah. I think you're right because whenever you the wraparound, you know, there is a, there's thing, a wraparound yeah. here. You know, I don't, you know, but I mean, traditional cover materials, mm-hmm. or will it be, you know, just like like this or yeah, quite minimal. You know, I mean, there's definitely there's a there's a there's there's two things going on in the in the in the back page here. Well, there's three things going on actually. If you look in the background, you can see our our main character, Imogen. Morley Smith mm-hmm. and Naha together uh, on this world. Uh, we can see uh, what looks like a, a shootout, a Wild West shootout about to go on. 
And there's a big old dinosaur standing in the background, so I'm Looks happy as Larry. Undiscovered country esque for mm. me. It's <laughs> fired all in there. <laughs> there's, but there's also a skyscraper and mushrooms. mushrooms. It's, it's almost like Hickman went, Oh, Schneider, you think you're building something big with undiscovered country? <laughs> you're dealing with America, I'm dealing with a galaxy. Yeah. You know? But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's once again a premium prestige title for Image. You know, it's. Uh, I think ever since The Walking Dead ended, they've been looking for that title. You know, whether this is it, I don't know. Maybe this is a bit more niche than, you know, Walking Dead is very easy to get into and very straightforward. It doesn't, it's it's brilliantly told, but it's very straightforward storytelling. I think this re- this, this rewards um, deep diving. Yeah, I think so. Very much so. Uh, but yeah, I mean, same again. I mean, in terms of police and stuff that a lot of people have jumped on number one. Uh, a few people picked it up off the racks. It's already back to second print. Uh, so I think it's off to a very, very encouraging start, to say the least. And again, it's nice to get a book with value as well, because even though it's that bigger price point, I mean, I've read it three times, and I still learned something new there as you were going through it. You know, So there's, there's a lot to take in with it. Mm. And yeah, I would imagine... I bef- read, read this, and I thought, I just I saw it, and I said the pronoun, and this is, this is going to be a trip. <laughs> Uh, cool so that was Keith's pick of the week that was decorum number one uh, Jonathan Hickman's latest uh, so we're just going to take a quick break now and then we'll be back as usual with our honourable mentions for the week so we're back again and moving on then to some honourable mentions uh, so we're kicking things off with DC. As was said a little earlier, it was a bit of a quieter week for DC this week. Uh, this I believe week, what we said earlier was it was a bit of a Marvel heavy week. I look at it both ways. Okay, just checking. You're talking to the guy who picked a Marvel title for his pick of the week. You don't have to convince me anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was definitely a quieter week for DC. There weren't an awful lot of titles this week. Um, I mean, the main one that stood out to me was actually Catwoman. Uh, Catwoman number 21, so I jumped on the Catwoman at the start simply because it was tied into Batman and tied into The Wedding, and Joelle Jones has been writing it since, there's been one or two really good one-shots, uh, Ram V had written a couple uh, before, now he's jumping on to Justice League Dark for example, but this was uh, this was coming to the end of a Catwoman arc with uh, an arc called Living With Both Faces, uh, the main villain is someone in Catwoman I think you would enjoy, Keith, it's a... Uh, it's a female character who's running for office. Um, what's her first name? The surname's Creel. But she's basically a politician and she's first introduced. Uh, perfect hair, perfect makeup, you know, n- nuclear family, you know, looks like the picture of wholesome America. And then as soon as she steps off of screen, the wig comes off. She's got a fake nose. She's basically a monster underneath it all. Uh, hates her kids. You know, just uses them to run errands for and commit crimes and keep pumping money into the fund so that she can, you know, run for office. Uh, why, why would Keith like this? Person? I know. I know Keith loves the <laughs> ugly face of politics. Yeah, yeah. Ah, know? right. Yeah. So it's uh, it, it was just a really interesting character because she's first introduced. You know the perfect pearls on the neck and the business suit and perfect hair and makeup and as she steps away like just what more and more comes down but uh yeah just uh this was uh, bringing an arc to an end uh she took real exception to catwoman the whole way through the arc um because she was actually uncovering her sort of 
true face, so to speak. Um, but yeah, just a really fun issue that ended ended the arc. It ended up with standoff at the Creel Mansion. Um, Catwoman is able to pretty much take her down. It goes into her past as well about the first time she ever stole something um, and why she sort of ended up becoming Catwoman and living the life that she had. Um, and then it sort of ends with a wee, uh, a wee goodbye to the friend she made while she was uh, away from Gotham and ends with her saying, you know, she has stuff to set right in Gotham, which is obviously leading up to a reunion with Bruce. Uh, this was also the last issue before the 80th anniversary special, so I kind of feel like this series is coming to an end. Uh, Catwoman solo series don't tend to last too long. It's Plus you've got Batcat coming up, haven't you? Exactly. So I would imagine this is all getting ready to wind up. Uh, and obviously Catwoman's a very integral part of Batman at the moment. You know, she's pretty much his partner um, as well. So yeah, just a, the, the Catwoman's quietly been just a really consistent, fun title. And it wasn't something that a couple of years ago I probably would have been reading, but no, glad I stuck with it. So pretty good issue. Speaking of uh, consistent titles at DC, um, I have one in front of me. Uh, we've we've mentioned it before, uh, and now I guess it's the longest running of the uh, the, the post rebirth definitely yeah. titles. Certainly in terms of one creator, um, yeah, and that's uh, that's Joshua Williamson on the Flash, which uh, is sitting. Uh, this is this is the first issue after last week was Flash seven fifty. Um, oversized you issue, know, yeah, the oversized issue. The the big, uh, the big anniversary. So we're back to our regularly scheduled program, which Joshua Williamson does very, very well. Um, and so we're we're picking up from what was the lead story in uh, in Flash Seven Fifty, Flash Edge. Uh, we talked about uh, we talked about um, it ended with uh, with with August uh, August Hart, who is Godspeed former friend of Barry Allen's and there August is in the employ of Paradox who is the, the, the big bad who's been revealed as, as the big bad for the Flash Edge who's been teased and we've now seen his origin story so starts off with like a super speed battle between the Flash and, and Godspeed and and all of that good stuff and it's all interspersed with with scenes of uh, of the Flash and Godspeed training together after August had to recently got his powers and was accessing the Speed Force and uh, and this is all pitched against uh, Iris, uh, who is in the Flash's speed lab. Uh, and she's accessing Commander Cold. Commander Cold is a future version of Captain Cold from the 25th century, a future iteration of him. Uh, and Paradox was uh, was defeated in the 25th century. So she accesses uh, Commander Cold, was killed by Paradox. I think it was Paradox. He was killed a few issues back. Um, but Commander Cold has left left a message beside behind about uh you know the various um foes from the future that the flight the flash might have to face so uh so iris is accessing this knowledge while the flash is in a knockdown drag out fight between godspeed himself and well it's initially godspeed and himself and then uh it's really interesting you know uh godspeed says you know, he's standing, you know, he's, he's more or less, he's, he's fought Flash to a standstill. They're more or less evenly matched and Godspeed lines up beside his his uh, his master, Paradox, and says, tell Flash what you've been planning for him, boss. How are you going to make sure that everyone knows Flash isn't the hero he says he is? Uh, and Paradox, this big beast of a man, says, it's not that simple. 
The so-called fastest man alive is a monster who brings horror to reality. Creating the Flashpoint alone ruined the timeline. Billions of lives affected by your selfishness. For the multiverse to be safe, I must stop your influence. But not just today. Tomorrow. And yesterday as well. But that is only part of my plans, Godspeed. Whenever a change, whenever a change in time happens, it releases a bit of crisis energy, which I can absorb to become a god within the multiverse. Erasing the Flash legacy will create crisis energy like we've never seen. Reality be damned. And Godspeed goes, and there it is, revenge in a power grab. Got it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and suddenly reveals that he's been, you know, on Flash's side the whole time. You know, he's just been masquerading this whole time as a... Uh, you know, as a as a bad guy, you know, and he's like, how many times do they have to tell you? You can trust me. No way am I letting some crazy guy kill anyone. And they let's take this dude down. <laughs> you know, so the turnaround here and uh, and Godspeed pays for it. Oh. You know, so uh, it's really good. You know, uh, meanwhile, Iris is going. She's with, with, with Captain Cole's new information about how, uh, sorry, Commander Cole's new information on how Paradox can be... Uh, can be defeated you know she's in flash's ear going no you have to do this you have to do this but the flash can run but the one thing flash can't do is run away and he ends up paying for that uh so we end with uh we end with uh you know paradox saying you know the best thing you ever did flash he goes you're the you're the the great savior the hero of the universe the martyr because you died you know uh but you came back and did what what good have you done since your return? That is, uh, that is greater than your own death. And I guess he's talking about the crisis in Infinite Earths. Yeah. Uh, you know, he says, you know what death I think, Flash. Down. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it ends with uh, with Paradox killing Barry Allen and uh, and Barry face to face with in in what looks like heaven. It actually looks a lot like the uh, the field from in front of uh, the, uh, uh, the heroes in crisis. The heroes in crisis. Yeah. That's exactly it, Roddy. Yeah. Uh, and he comes face to face with his mother. So, I don't know. It's uh, high stakes, heavy stuff. Flash, great book. I've been reading it since since Rebirth. You know, it's just fantastic. <laughs> so tell tell me this: Has it? Have they always done the legacy numbering? No, it changed with seven fifty. Yeah, uh, it's the same with Wonder Woman. So it's uh, been renumbered from seven fifty. <sighs> Again, it, it gets harder sometimes to defend DC, oh. despite my <laughs> despite my obvious preference. But you know why they're doing it for some of their books, but not others. Why they don't just do the Marvel method and show legacy numbering, but show volume numbering at the same time. Like if someone walks into a store, like Flash Seven Fifty One is a kind of a jumping on point. Just after the events of seven fifty. Well, Flash seven fifty would be the jumping on but point. But who's going to look at seven fifty one and go? I think I should start here. Yeah, yeah. No well, one is. You, is know what I mean? you know, Flash seven fifty one is part two of the Flash Age. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, what you've got in Flash seven fifty one is is uh, issue ninety since uh, since Rebirth. Yeah. So that's ninety issues of solid Flash Joshua Williamson goodness. <laughs> you know, that's 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 a run like. Wow. That, that this is this is going to go down. I think, like Jason Aaron's run on Thor, this is going to go down as a seminal Flash run. Yeah, because that's what I was trying to figure out. It was like seven fifty one. I was like, you've you've talked about how long it's been. I was, try, I was trying to. I was trying to. It hasn't went that long. I was has like, it? Geez, how long have we been doing this podcast? It's just come out every day. This <laughs> news. Yeah. So so before the issue before seven fifty was issue eighty eight. So 
so this is eight, so seven fifty was eighty nine, and this is issue eighty. Right. But yeah, just right. dual number it and just stop the confusion. It's but let let's see what happens with Generation One, or if Generation One even happens. You're enjoying this way too much see, from Alec. Alan... The best part is, you know, when when Keith first sent the message about this, it was like, I don't mean to gloat, but oh, so here, what's going on with DC? No, it was uh, it was to do with the free comic book day one because they've <laughs> they've released the solicitations for June and Generation Two should have been in those solicitations, but it was not, and it was Dan the Dio's baby, but you know it's set up for free comic book day to have flat, uh, Generation Zero and it's all big mess. It's all downhill. Mm. It's a wee bit. It's a wee bit messy. It's a it's, wee bit yeah. between. It seems to be okay. Yeah, between Rebirth and and the fact that. The fact that Doomsday Clock was linked to Rebirth and then Doomsday Clock was delayed and then Heroes in Crisis was supposed to be linked to, you know, the the whole thing with Rebirth was Wally coming back. Yeah. And then... Wally being that symbol of hope and then that hope was destroyed and Heroes, and Heroes in Crisis, Crisis. But then he can... And then Flash Forward, which, yeah. which actually turned out to be way more important than Doomsday Clock in the end. Yeah. Um... You know, despite the fact it was just seemed like a, a bit of a thing, you know, like a bit so, of a throwaway mini series, yeah, yeah, almost. Yeah. And and the that flash flash forward is leading into the generation G five stuff, uh, if it happens. But then we're seeing generations, which I'm sort of excited about. Mm. Generation zero and generation one being solicited in last month's previews, yeah. but then not seeing generation two. Have they just gone? Actually, the deal's gone. We don't have to do this anymore. Which to me. Jesus, even if the deal was gone, I would have done gone. For, if you've released the first two issues, I'd have gone for damage control and just gone. Yeah, actually, absolutely. let's just let's just see this through, you know, mm. rather than stopping and starting again because that's what's damaged DC. Not that it's damaged them, like because we're all still reading their books, but it sort of makes a mockery of the whole yeah. thing, you know. A little bit of clarity goes a long way, exactly, to say the least. So, yeah. but as much fun as I'm having ragging on DC, let's uh. <laughs> Put a pin on that. Uh, yeah, so we'll just throw it into indie. I mean, obviously we talked about a couple of indie books very highly in terms of picks of the week and so forth. So there was only really one more on top of that, that that stood out this week. But I do believe it was close to being your pick of the week, Keith. Very much was. It was a... Uh, this... You, you know, you read a book. Um, I mean, we read a lot of books. But so it's whenever a book sort of sticks in your head, you go, yep, that's my pick. And before I read Decorum, and I, I just... Uh, We've talked about decorum there for for a good deal of time, but before I read decorum, this was the one that was that was sticking in my head, and that's uh, stealth number one. It's an image book uh, by uh, by Mike Costa and uh, Nate uh, Nate Belgard, uh, Tamara Bonville and colorist, and uh, Sal Cipriano uh, on letters. Um, so uh, this is a this is a book that was previously a one shot. The the original concept, I think, is by Robert Kirkman and Mark Silvestri um, of Image Comics uh, fame. Um, set in Detroit, uh, our main character is uh, is a character called Tony. Isn't that right? Yeah, it's Tony. Yeah. Uh, and Tony is a writer. He's a he's a writer for a uh, a newspaper, you know, and he uh, and that Detroit is Detroit. The 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 Detroit, which to me always whenever I hear Detroit, I'm always my mind is cast back to. Robocop and OCP and you know the original Robocop movie that's a Machine City and uh, Tony's father uh, is uh, formerly a fireman you know a big strapping man and uh, 
he is clearly suffering from Alzheimer's. You know, he's, uh, you know, uh, the first time we see him, he, he, he calls him the wrong name. He's, he's done that more than once. You know, he's he got the wrong time of day. Yeah, he, he doesn't know. He doesn't realize it's, it's night time. He's one of those old school men that even though he's like a man's man, you know, that sort of outdated concept of I don't need any help. I can do everything myself, even though he clearly needs help. The, 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 for, for us as, as, uh, as men with aging fathers, probably is something that we all think about. There's nothing. There's no no greater hero usually for you than your your dad. You know what I mean. So you know, uh, there's something really tragic about seeing that guy like that. You know, seeing seeing the father as a as that man figure. You know yeah. that 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 you know, and, and really suffering like that, but still not being able to admit it, not being able to admit his weaknesses. You know, um, and maybe not even seeing what's happening to him because that's the nature of the, the disease, you know? Um, but yeah, so, uh, so Tony, Tony's going out and then we are introduced to, uh, to stealth, this vigilante, uh, winged vigilante, like a cross between an early Iron Man and a, a Falcon maybe. Um, you know, uh, that sort of thing. He's definitely a wee bit more, wee, but there's a sniff of Batman about him as well. You know, he's, uh, but yeah, uh, Tony goes out and, uh, and uh, stealth appears, so you know. Uh, and uh, stealth uh, take he's a he's a neighborhood uh, or a Detroit certainly a, a street level vigilante, uh, and uh, he he takes down this. He's clearly known, you know. He's known by reputation. Um, he takes down this guy who's holding up a a corner store or a, or a laundry or as a laundry. Uh, takes him out through the window and. You know, the guy who owns the laundry is like, uh, who's going to pay for that window? I had less money than that in the register. He beats the living <laughs> crap out of this guy. Blood everywhere. You know, the the laundry owner isn't cheering him on. He's like, Jesus, what are you doing to that guy? You know, the kids that are watching aren't cheering him on. They're running away. Um, Tony returns to the house. His father has has taken a fall. You know, that tragedy is sort of, you know, the father's taking a fall. He's got a cut in his head. He doesn't quite remember where he is. He's maybe concussed. We see his fire axe, you know, on the on the wall behind him, just representing just what a strong man he used to be. Um, and that, he can't get his bearings. Um, he says, I was a fireman for 20 years. I know what a concussion looks like. I'm fine, you know. And Tony's really struggling with this. He struggles in his job. You know, he goes in and he says to his boss, he goes, listen, I might have to take some time off. You know, my dad's really struggling, you know. And... Uh, so there's some stress in his job there. There's some uh, conflict in his job, and you know, we're talking about Tony leaving the job, you know, and you know, and then we see Stealth out in action again, and Stealth tracks down these criminals, you know, takes them off the road. Uh, you know, he's real, he's rough, he's he's brutal, he's a brutal vigilante, you know. Um, he doesn't think twice about what he's doing. Takes out the villains, you know, and. Uh, Again, we see Tony come home again, and as he comes home, there's a story on the uh, on the news. You know, once again, it appears as though the vigilante stealth attacked a police car on the Lodge Freeway this afternoon, resulting in a firefight with police, uh, where five officers were injured. And he's like, "What the hell are they talking about?" You know, and then it's at that point that it all sort of becomes clear as Tony goes upstairs, and there's a crash through the window, and his father comes through the window wearing, you know, the the stealth armor. <laughs> And it's just in that that page, that that page where you just see the father in the armor, and you think, "Oh my God, I, I know what's going on here." 
I understand this. This is not Tony the whole way through. You've made the assumption, yeah. you know, and then you think, oh, that that's like a, a vigilante in superpowered flying armor who is suffering from Alzheimer's and doesn't know what he's doing. And he's clearly, this fight that he was having on the freeway, it wasn't criminals at all. It was cops and cops have been injured. And, you know, the father's confused when he comes through the door. He, he calls... He calls Tony Eric, and Eric was his brother. He died six years ago. And, you know, Tony's like, you're stealth. And he's like, you know that, Eric? And he's, you know, he goes, you've been helping me for years, you know? And he's like, I'm not Eric. Eric was your brother. He died years ago, you know? He gets confused. The father gets confused. He reacts. He thinks he's somewhere else. He beats the living crap out of his son in the same way as he did the criminals, you know? And... uh it's just it's <laughs> it was really poignant. It was really uh, such a such a book. So I mean, it was touch and go, as I say, as to whether or not this was going to be my my pick. And decorum just just pinched it just with the depth, you know. But this was just a story. This is going to be great, you know. And the father thinks that the ones who gave him the suit, the men in the light, they're coming back. You know, he knows it, he can feel it. They're coming back to fix him, you know. They're going to fix his mind. So he acknowledges, really, he knows there's something wrong with him. And it's, oh, it's tragic and it's powerful and it's... Did it really come from the men in the light or is this yeah, the babbling of a well, yeah, man who's lost his mind? Yeah, it's, 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 it's wow. But yeah, it was very, very nicely paced. And, and as you say, I mean, obviously you had this, um, you had this inkling that it was the sun, but they structured it in the way where he was always leaving yeah 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 yeah. or just coming back yes. just after a scene uh-huh. and you just you did assume it was him and even the part where towards the end where he sees the news report and he's like oh once again it appears as though the vigilante stealth attacked the police car when he says what the hell are they talking about i still thought it was him because he was like no those, those were bad guys i took down what, what are they talking about cops yeah so even see, then you're you, still yeah. thinking whenever it's him. you go back and whenever you go back and and knowing what you now know yeah and read the battle where he's fighting the cops the, yeah. the, sorry the, the criminals that he's seeing as criminals and you're like oh oh my god what did he do to those <laughs> cops yeah. yeah and even some of the narration as well because when he's sort of gliding over the freeway uh the narration is as time goes on the world makes less and less sense and again, these things actually take on a new meaning when, as yeah, you say, you yeah, know where exactly. it's going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I was very impressed with this as well. The art reminded me an awful lot of John Romita Jr. An awful lot. Mm, yeah. There were a few times I actually went back and looked at who the artist was, thinking, this is like, it really reminded me of something like Kick-Ass. Um, those sort of, sort of chunky, larger-than-life characters. Yeah, yeah, solid, solid. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty, pretty great book as well. Mm. Really randomly, it um, it sold at a distribution level really early, and we didn't get loads of copies. I only a couple of pre-orders, but we could have sold five times the amount we did with the amount of people who came to it late, mm-hmm. saying any chance you have this. So it's almost like there was no hype about it. That's what I was talking about earlier about how sometimes books can take on a life after they come out by reputation or by reviews well clearly those people weren't listening to the podcast because that's the uh, first thing i said to, uh, picks, yeah. yeah that's the first thing i said to, to phil you know who you are you do listen to all of our podcasts but we did recommend it months ago <laughs> <laughs> and uh keith and i both have copies so yeah yeah <laughs> i Not, didn't listen to vicky i should have been on it <laughs> but i'm gonna read it because it sounds fantastic you boys have sold it to me so 
we we can be good salesmen in in our excitable ways. Um, yeah. So that was uh, as I say, that was stealth number one. That was the title that uh, we certainly deser- thought deserved uh, a little chat about. Uh, so we'll move on to that Marvel heavy week then. Fair enough. I'm gonna leave the room for half an hour. No, I'm not <laughs> um, yeah, so there were some there were some great ones, as I say, this week. Uh, Marvel really threw out a lot of heavy hitters. Obviously, we've already discussed Thor, um, but there was a title that certainly must have excited you more than most this week, Keith. Oh yes, I'm. Uh, I'm glad to see the uh, the Ascani son back. <laughs> glad to see uh, Nathan Dayspring uh, back with his own title. Um, this is like uh, we asked the question earlier on. To, 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 I mean, you didn't know, so that's okay to ask. Um, <laughs> but it's like it's like <laughs> Keith coming and going. Is this the first volume of Batman that's ever been written? <laughs> so this is like uh, volume f- the start of volume five of Cable. Well, mm-hmm. there is no legacy issue. No, well, bring no. on it. You know. So I mean, but this is the first. Uh, this is the first Hickman Cable. This would be. A legacy number, what did I say about it? Was about one ninety or something. About, yeah, about yeah. one. Yeah, some, somewhere in something the. Like that. Yeah, somewhere about yeah. one, one, somewhere up, up around there. But, uh, so yeah, this is, this is cable. It is, the first series, uh, that, young cable, this kid cable, cable in, yeah, yeah, has uh, has led, and I still don't know where I'm at with kid cable. Um, so, uh, during the extermination miniseries, Bad Breeson, um, uh, a young version of cable, came back from the future and killed our cable the grizzled grizzled old man cable and uh you know he said effectively he wasn't doing what he was doing because of what had happened and bendis is all new x-men and and cable allowing beast to bring the the young x-men of the past into the future in order to try and show cyclops what had gone wrong and then they couldn't get back and it was destroying the timeline and you know so young cable came back and went what the hell are you doing bang 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 you guys go back and i'm left here you know so uh, cable has a rich and storied history. Um, now what they've what Hickman has done is, you know, he's effectively now young. Cable is the right age to be Scott's Cyclops's son, which is who he is. So, um, so that's interesting. But yeah, Jerry Duggan on this. Uh, Jerry Duggan's the writer, and uh, Phil Noto uh, on the art, including the cover art. And that cover art is just that we talked about that. Uh, not so long ago about this the poster just looks like like an 80s movie poster uh, including the fact that he's drawn in the folds in the poster you know as if the poster's been folded up and crumpled and sitting there which is great for a time traveling mutant as well <laughs> um, so yeah it's it's looking good it doesn't give away it gives away a wee bit about what's going on but uh, yeah the story features uh, features um, uh Oh god, what do you call him? Uh, armor and um, I can't remember what you what you call the other. So you have uh, Wolverine in here. You've got Pixie armor. Pixie, there. I was going to say fairy, but it's not fairy. It's Pixie. Is that who he has his double date with? His double date with, yeah. Yeah, uh, this this young cable is a is a prick, like. He's <laughs> a wee bit of a know. prick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is, yeah. Absolutely. Lack of a better term. Um, we we stick with the uh, the Hickman style uh, House of X, uh, Powers of Ten. You know, yeah, every sort of info and, pages. Yeah, info yeah. pages where you see the official record of the combat in the quarry. Really uh, like that. So that was a really nice touch. Just added depth to it. Really yeah, quickly. just I did it. Show this. You know what this was. And Cable beats Wolverine in uh, in combat, which is kind of awesome. 
Well, he beats him, but then uh, Wolverine's sort of like, oh, you cheated with that TK, obviously telekinesis. And Cable's just like, there's no cheating in the quarry. Yeah, I mean, you could say you could say that, but then you could say Wolverine cheated with his claws. They're naturally given gifts. In fact, Wolverines aren't even naturally given. <laughs> you know? Standing up for his boy, Cable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's some there's some cool stuff uh, going on there, and we can see the. the I picture. love that there's groupies as well in the quarry. You know, they're they're watching this fight they're between Logan the groupies, two, yeah. uh, and there's people who have like L O G A on, <laughs> and these are all mutants. You know what I mean? These are all people with their own abilities, but they're just like yeah, we're Logan fanboys. Really disappointed he loses. But they uh, so I guess this. Do you remember Alan? Uh, was it X Men Two or X Men Three where Krakoa ended up uh, coming into contact with this other island? And Scott, yes. Cable, and Rachel went to the other island and met this person or individual on the island, and Krakoa ended up absorbing the island. Number three was the one with the, the older women characters who invaded Krakoa, so it must have been two. Must have been two, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it was before that. Um, so I think that's what's referenced here, that uh, a couple of days back, Krakoa kind of ate another whole island filled with monsters. Yeah. Uh, it's been pretty chill so far, but we're still working out the kinks. It's all good because I got a plan. Um, so anyway, uh, Cable, uh, Armour and Pixie are, are going on some sort of a date thing. I mean, again, we're just we're just vibing on this whole Krakoa is the island of mutant love. And, yeah. you know everybody's doing whoever they want to do and it's all good like uh, father yeah. like son <laughs> like father like son yeah quite that's all i will <laughs> say at this point <laughs> you know but there's a there's a story that effectively comes comes down to their 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 attack by a monster and there's a story that effectively comes but down to uh, a lion that has a thorn in his paw <laughs> some great art here when that uh, pixie has the uh she's got the she effectively produces a natural sort of lsd that she can sprinkle as fairy dust. So I there's see. this like really scary, <laughs> ugly sort of giant land creature. And then you see what she <laughs> sees. And it's like this big goofy looking sort of almost yeah. looks like a big cuddly toy or yeah, something. She, she sprinkles this dust on one of the scared fauna who's the scared young mutant. And, you know, <laughs> cables throwing a grenade and it just goes pop and fairy dust. <laughs> and uh, But anyway, um, the way it, the way it, it works out um, is that, uh, is that this thing is angry because it's got a thing in its paw. It's not a thorn. It's a big giant sword. Um, Cable pulls it out. Creature runs away. So it is the classic, say, lion with a thorn in its mm -hmm. paw. Uh, Cable, the sword, he, he grabs the sword and it, it interacts with his with his telekinesis and uh, tells him the story of this uh, space knight. Um you know, and I don't know, does this link to the Swords of X miniseries that's coming up? Yeah, you would think so, definitely, if, if Cable is in that uh, miniseries, this is the sword he's definitely going to have. Yeah, I would say so. So, so yeah, so he's really loving this, he's really loving this sword, you know. Well, he um, does say, yeah, big guns were the old guys thing. Yeah, yeah, you I know, always wanted, I always a, big wanted a big sword. sword yeah. <laughs> so, I thought that was a really menacing introduction of Cyclops as well. Just the, the single... Just the single red beam in the yeah, darkness. yeah. <clears throat> yeah, know, and then, and red but, then but then you know we start Cy Cylon-esque there yeah we've had yeah. Cylon Cylon indeed uh, you know he comes out he says I thought everyone was crystal clear no monster island it was all Cable's idea hi dad see you Cable you know Cable's all like I mean he's been obsessed with weapons since X-Men 1 you know where he's trying to swap weapons with one of the one of the star jammers 
um, and all of that, you know. And you know, Scott's like, mm, I think this metal's too light to be from Earth, and you know, he tells him we, you know, so then we see something off planet. This uh, this uh, museum of lost civilizations off planet, you know, and these robot looking creatures that look an awful lot like the space knights that Cable saw in his vision. Uh, they effectively wake up and so say the blade, the light of Galador, it has been found, but we are so far away and away we go. So uh, they appear to be making their way towards uh, towards Krakoa on Earth. Um, and then and we get the comic book equivalent of a Marvel mid credit scene. Oh, we do. That must have had Keith shrieking oh. with joy. <laughs> and I was, I was on a train, so that was embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> Says in another time, another place, we've got some sort of demonic crab creature. And, uh, you know, next thing it's claws are blasted off, blam, you know, and uh, the thing drops and it says, you know, someone, someone with a, with a very notable shoulder padded shadow, uh, you know, saying, where is he? The, the crab thing goes to hell, says, go to hell, old man, and uh, finishes him off and Cable goes, you first. And we're standing looking at our Cable, the Cable that we know and love, nice. grizzled old man Cable with a gun so uh and he's got a he's got a another one of the hickman hickman special you know one pages is all it's cable's diary about the hunt so uh uh yeah i was so glad so glad to see cable back <laughs> proper cable so yeah good first issue do you think alan yeah i really dug it i mean i obviously don't have the same uh, attachment to cable as, as as yourself but i've been digging all the x titles so i wanted to jump in and Phil Noto's an artist who I really, really like, but I don't see him do an awful lot of sequential work these days. Mm. He does a lot of covers. Um, but yeah, I, I really dug this. As I say, the the main character, the younger Cable, is a bit of a prick, but he's kind of a likable prick. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're exactly right. He's, he's, you know, at the end of the day, although he gets a big sword out of it and stuff like that, he does want to actually help that Jan Lang creature. And he does he want helped. to help the two, the two, the young mutants who are in trouble. Yeah. Him. So he, he is actually, there's, there's, there's hints of, well, you don't want to say humanity given that he's a mutant, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I really liked it. And it's sometimes nice going in with a clean slate to issues like that and seeing if they hold up, you know, you're not relying on, you know, years of history and previous mm, yep. experience with the character. So, yeah, I I really liked it. I'll I'll definitely stick but with it. But still, it clearly meant something to you whenever you saw old Cable at the end. Yeah, I mean, I knew I knew who it was, and I remember reading it, going, "Fuck, he's gonna love this." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, no. So that was Cable number one. Jerry Dugan as well, very safe pair of hands. He's yep. doing some great stuff yep. at the moment. Very much. Um, I have to say. Uh, so a couple of the Marvel ones to throw out there. Uh, how about a bit of Jessica Jones? Uh, this has been a series we've mentioned a few times. Uh, this is Jessica Jones' Blind Spot. One of Vicky's favourites. Very much so. I mean, I would say one of mine as well. I <laughs> would uh, agree with you. <laughs> uh, Kelly Thompson on writing duties. Mattia De Ulius on art. Um, the one thing I would say is that this issue 5 felt very much like the end of this story. Uh, now, I do know that Blind Spot was an adaptation of an original graphic novel. But this was slated to be six issues, and it ends in a way where you would think this is the end of it. Um, it you know, pretty much as a happy ending as well. Uh, but yeah, a lot of good stuff in Jessica Jones. I, I'm just a big sucker for sort of noir stuff, and that's what I like about Jessica Jones. That's what the character is in the Marvel universe. I love that she's stuck in in Miss Marvel's old costume. See, <laughs> I was always wondering the whole way through this. I kept recognizing that as Miss Marvel's costume. Yeah. But then, 
I knew she used to be a superhero, Jessica Jones. No, that's did she not, have no, a uniform no, no, of no, any kind? No, no, this is... Uh, she she did have a uniform. It's not that uniform. That's Carl Danvers' old uniform. Oh, okay. Which she's definitely taking home. Which she's definitely... <laughs> <laughs> both, both her and Luke agree that they're they're taking the costume home. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, very satisfying little series. Uh, good characters, plenty of kick-ass moments in it. Uh, nice style of art. I thought the uh, addition of Doctor Strange and it was pretty great. Um, again, he continues to come across like a a bit of a bastard. But is th- are the snakes in Doctor and Mark Wade's Doctor Strange? Yes, they are. Okay, yeah. I'm going to yeah. read Doctor Strange then. Yeah, so <laughs> snakes in it are great. Yeah, the, love how they just keep referring to all the women as nice legs. <laughs> <laughs> they're the there's a thing about them. They're like uh, things of hell, you know. So they yeah. always try and tempt you with something, or they always try and, and they seem to be they've developed their own personalities. Ooh, girl, we love the outfit. <laughs> I don't know why I read it in that voice, but it's like. Uh, I thought you were reformed and being nice, nice snakes. We are being nice. Yeah, nice. We're talking about your nicey, nice legs. <laughs> They're, uh, yeah, I mean, I love uh, Elsa Bloodstone as well in this. Um, I love the, the concept, you know, the, the, the uh, what do you call her? Um, Dia, originally, who's the, who, who was supposed to be dead. Originally, she's got reality altering powers and, so this is the this issue that this was the problem. It wasn't a problem with this issue, but this is the issue where everything becomes clear what happened. Yeah, the reason that Dia is found dead on Jessica's floor is because uh, the the real Dia reality warped to make it look like there was a Dia dead on her floor, so she wouldn't have to go after. She's given her boyfriend Jared Pars the reality warping Pars. He was a bastard, but he was enough of a a self aware bastard that he went actually. I wish I could get rid of all the bad stuff that makes me. A, a, a dick yeah and and he did but it created another version of him who was a total dick you know and a version of him so so it was all there was evil jared and good jared and uh it was a whole thing uh but it was it's been a great story for five issues but the thing was that it felt like this was the end yeah but there's an issue six yeah it just sort of ends with them walking back luke uh jessica and their daughter Walking back and saying like, oh, should we talk about the outfit? I feel like we should talk about the outfit or at least bring it home with us. Oh, it's coming home with us. <laughs> it's like, oh, screw it. I'm going to bet the farm on a good surprise. And you're like, well, that's a nice little ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? That's Issue six. You know, so. The only thing I can assume is maybe something's waiting for them at home. The The preview for issue six seems to be taking place in a kitchen. Mm. There's presents there. I don't know. I know, but it? I mean, why would you? Why, you, you know... Uh, but that's that's the only thing. Is, it, is this going to be is this going to going to be an ongoing now? Is I, that I still think it was just slated for six issues, yeah. but you know something to keep an eye on, I suppose. Interesting. Um, but yeah, from a five slash six slash ongoing series to a one shot. Oh yeah, so um, Marvel have got a lot of stuff out at the minute. Last year was Marvel's 80th anniversary, as we talked about in the last episode again, and uh, we've got Marvel's X out. We've got uh, Marvel out, which is the anthology book. Um, which I'm not a, I wasn't a huge fan of. See last podcast for that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but this yeah, is the Marvel, Marvels, Marvel X. It's very hard yeah, to keep yeah. Track. It is hard to keep track. Um, so this is Marvel's Spotlight Submariner. I mean, and a lot of these things are all. So Marvel's X is based around Earth X. It's the prequel to Earth X. Um, you know, the others are sort of based around the Alex Ross, Kurt Busiek. You know, um. Marvel's uh, miniseries, which we've talked about time and time again, um, and this is kind of that. 
this is this is more closely related. So it's a series of one shots. The first one is the Submariner by uh, uh, Alan Bennett and Jerry Ordway. So uh, certainly some classics there, and uh, it's it's set back after World War Two and um, and Betty, uh, who is oh, what do you call her? Betty Ray, I think. Um, I can't remember what her name was, but she she was dating the Submariner as whenever he came back from war. You know, when she's been dating him on and off for six years, or at least they sort of been friends. Her brothers have all come back from the same war that the Submariner fought in. Uh, some they're ver- they're handling it variously. One of them's doing fine. One of them's lost a leg. One of them, Lloyd, he trembles like a leaf in the wind that none of us could feel. Um, you know, oh, sorry, Betty Dean. Um, but they're all back anyway. Um, and she's she's dating Neymar, so we see a. A more human side of Namor here, uh, through a lot of it, you know, he's taking her out. She's taking him out to the amusement park, and but then it's it's kind of all about post traumatic stress, you know, um, having a bit of fun. Uh, Namor's showing off, you know, in the pool because no one can dive and swim like Namor can. Uh, but then you know, somewhere off in the background, there's the sound of a gun, bam, 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 and he automatically reacts. He flashes back to guys dead on the field, you know, of war. And it's only a shooting gallery at the, you know, but she's he's shaking just like her brother is, you know. Um, Neymar does some awesome stuff. I mean, because Neymar's just back and forth, always has been back and forth between, you know, the 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 villain and the hero, the hero and the invaders, the villain and Fantastic Four. Uh, something we that's explored a lot more in uh, in Invaders, the the Invaders series that was out last year by Chip Zdarsky that we we really really loved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But you know, for example, there's a there's a thing here called uh, a grocery pitch because there's this you know it's it's stacks of um, stacks of bottles and you throw a bot you throw a ball at it and whenever you you win you get a bag of groceries because it was during the depression so a bag of groceries to feed the family for a week was worth was worth a lot you know and Neymar sees this family and they miss you know and he's like so the, the you know the the caller is like sorry folks you lose again and Neymar's, Neymar's like don't go let me try and he just smashes two or three of them down and earns them four or five bags of groceries you know because <laughs> that's the sort of guy he is you know but anyway there's this uh this villain called uh uh the Veral shark and uh he's again Neymar's Neymar's flashing back a wee bit and then he encounters this villain called the shark the the shark's wearing this armor and underneath it is you know a swastika you know whenever he tears it open it's a swastika and from there Namor just you know the post-traumatic stress disorder just kicks in and that's it you know he just he goes mad he starts you know he's Nazi scum he's throwing him through the he's just taking apart he's he's rightly taking him on but he's taking him on without regard to anything around him without anything in the fun fair without innocent people um you know all of that sort of stuff so uh so then Betty, you know, the whole way through, she's the point of view character as Phil is, Phil is in the, in, in, in Marvels. And, uh, she summons the, uh, she summons the all winners squad. Uh, you know, the, the wizard and Captain America and Bucky and, uh, the human torch and Toro. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they sort of, Neymar is the most strongest, the most powerful of them, you know, and, uh, Miss America as well. You know, she appears and, I think that's really class. You know, Miss America is there in the middle, and she's <laughs> she's <laughs> carrying Cap and and Bucky, you know. <laughs> so so it's really really great. So she she sort of becomes the core of it. You know, she's trying to 
they're they're all trying to stop the shark and uh it's just you know it's it's about them trying to clear up and stop Namor and and uh, and stop him from 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 going mental here um and it, it it just all goes and he he talks about what he saw in bitter you know in in, in Bitburg um and what set him off whenever he saw whenever he saw the 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 swastika you know it, it took him back to Bitburg and what what Namor saw in Bitburg was Apparently, they liberated a German concentration camp, and Neymar was the first on the scene. He was the first to see the ovens, and first to see the corpses in the ovens, and the first to see the mass graves of the of the the Holocaust. Um, and that's what that's what set him off, you know. So they sort of have to calm him down, and and that, and uh, you know, he leaves, he leaves, and he leaves Betty by herself, and she's raging, and she can't figure out about their relationship and what's going on, and then Miss America sort of steps in and. And uh, yeah, so it's it's just a really lovely post-war story um, about Neymar, but from someone else's point of view. And I think that's what these spotlight books are going to be about. They're going to be about these heroes, but from someone else's point of view. So I think we're set up. We've got Submariner. I think we're set up for Human Torch, Human Torch Captain America. And is there? There's another one, maybe. Is, would there be a bucket? No, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think that's the crux of these Marvel spot snapshots are going to be everyday point of view on well-known characters. Mm-hmm. So, in that way, it does relate to Marvels in a way that Marvel doesn't. Yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm going to throw the rest of these in my pull list because if they're anything like this, they're going to be. Solid. Is it the same uh, writer for all of them? No, I don't believe so. Dif- different creative um, teams each time. Oh, there's a there's an Avengers one. Um, I don't know who the creative team are on them all. Um, oh, there's a Spider Man one. Okay, interesting. So they're not just they're not, it's not just all Winter Squad heroes. There's a yeah, there's it's not Mar- just linked to Marvels itself. Human Torch. Or, yeah. There's a Captain America. And there's a oh. an X Men. Okay. So I don't know what the creative teams are, but certainly if they're of the quality of this first one, I'll be on them all. Cool. Cool. Brilliant. How about you, Roddy? Can you have a uh, a bit of Marvel goodness for us at some point here? Yeah, for me, um, I would just say I'm going to go for Amazing Spider-Man 41 for me. It's a regular choice for you. It is a regular choice, but... It's a regular um, choice for me too. For me, <laughs> I think this this one, I wouldn't say it was bad faltered a wee bit for me felt there was a lot of uh sort of recapping but we've got uh nick spencer writing ryan otley is back on the art this time um is he definitely on the art it, it, on it the doesn't art. just say him as say his name in the front <laughs> and that's it no. yeah um this one like spider-man it's always consistent um there's a lot of great fun moments in it um there's a lot of different storylines in Spider-Man running at the moment, like sort of concurrently with each other. Um, so we've got Chance going on. There's yes. the Jameson relationship. There's, There's this relationship a with Boomerang. Boomerang. He's also his housemate. Yeah, <laughs> it's really weird. Yeah. Um, and then we've got Fisk has sort of come came back on the scene as well. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on in this one, and there is a sort there's, of uh, there's a lot some of deep cuts in this as well. There's the Lifeline tablet, which, oh, uh, which yeah. was a that was the first story that Kingpin ever appeared in. Uh, as a so Kingpin first appeared as a Spider-Man villain. Uh, so 
so that so the the life lanes the life lane tablet storyline was the I say the kingpin's first adventure and the first time Peter encountered him he was trying to steal it and this this is a um, this is what this thing this artifact that they're after is okay yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. um yeah there's on we're building up to the the sin eater and what what, what did you call him the lethal legion is that it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so that, that another that, yeah. deep cut <laughs> yeah another yeah absolutely so that whole set that's uh that is um oh god what do you call him um Count Nefaria. Ah, your man from that time we played the Marvel role. The role playing game. game, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. Uh, uh, Moon Knight and Blade uh, took him down. Martin and I sequestered him. You know? <laughs> That's a very shout one. Out, yeah. Shout out to Martin. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, he was the original. Uh, I think the original, you know, uh, captain of the the Lethal Legion, which also included, um, I think, is it Whirlwind and and a few other heads. Um, some some bad dudes, yeah. Some bad dudes. So, and I think that's another one of those. Uh, the last couple of issues have had sins of certain people, yeah. and I think that's mm-hmm. that's amping up towards the sin eater storyline. Yeah, uh, kicking off. We're obviously we're obviously building to that, but I don't think we're quite there yet. So it's not necessarily time filling, but I certainly don't think the the boomerang relationship has been enough to sort of sustain a lot of issues. I don't know where it's going to go, but certainly I think we're building up to a big uh, issue number 50. I think we're going to go dark as well. I think, I think so, it's yeah. going to, I think uh, Nick Spencer can do both. Yeah. Uh, but I think we're, he's, he's been doing some lighthearted stuff lately in Spider-Man, but I think we're going to, things are going to get a wee bit darker as well. You know, yeah, Parker needs to suffer, doesn't he? So. There is a Whoa. prelude to the Senator. Um, yes, Sun Rising, well, yeah. isn't there? Mm-hmm. Sin Rising. So uh, we're obviously going back to the darker stuff. Uh, I would say. Yeah. Uh, speaking of darker stuff, uh, very much Doug Venom twenty four. Uh, this was part four of the Venom Island story arc. Uh, some more love for Donny Cates here, and Mark Bagley is the artist on this one. And is he? He really is. I uh, tell you what, it's lucky Stegman produces a good podcast because he might not be getting back on Venom uh, anytime soon. Uh, Mark Bagley's art is just something else. There's a couple of pa- there's a couple of um, designs in this book and a couple of sort of double page spreads that are truly outstanding, uh, including one uh, for Marvel's good. newest biggest good. bad. Mm, um, look at that. But yeah, the the crux of Venom twenty four um, at the end of Venom twenty three. Eddie had successfully broken apart the Carnage symbiote from um, his symbiote and then he fell unconscious and he woke up in a helicopter with the Avengers and as they were moving away from the island, the island got nuked and was blowing up behind him so he thought that was the end of his symbiote and Carnage and, and all all sorts. So in this one he wakes up in a hospital, band, uh, hospital bed, Sorry, he's missing his hand which he cut off to stop the spread of the Carnage um, symbiote. You know, he's feeling all this pity, the Avengers looking down on him. Um, his son Dylan comes to see him. He feels really, really helpless. Um, and Eddie sort of wakes up saying like, oh, come on, I've only been out three weeks. I can, Captain America says to him, three weeks? Eddie, you've been asleep for months. You don't know. Null, who is the big bad, he says, Null isn't coming. Then you turn the page, you have this amazing double page spread outside of his hospital uh, window saying, Null is here. 
Um, what this all tra- and and the art actually gets creepier from there, especially when Cletus Cassidy comes into the mix as well <laughs> with a blood bag that is actually the Carnage symbiote. Um, They're so, feeding it into his veins. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It essentially turns out that he's still on the island. Uh, all that other stuff just didn't happen, and Carnage is slowly taking mm. over his and body. What, what actually happened is at the end of the last issue, there was a race. Uh, seemed to be a race between the two symbiotes to his Venom symbiote and the Carnage symbiote to reach Eddie first. Yeah. And as it transpires, it looks like the Carnage symbiote reached him first. And the Venom symbiote is sort of hiding in the in the bushes. Yeah, actually cowering, yeah. Um, you know, Eddie's son gets involved a bit more uh, as well. Uh, but yeah, this issue was just pretty kick-ass and that last page of a V-Rex. You know. <laughs> Come on. Oh, Venomosaurus Rex. A talking V Rex, no less. Yeah. Who's basically uh, has Dylan <laughs> helping out, shall we say? Get the hell away from my dad. I do love that the Venom symbol is stretched out across its body, but it still has wee small hands. <laughs> like a, like a T-Rex arms. should always have. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this whole Venom Island arc in general has been great. Mark Bagley's been uh, producing some great work, carrying on his awesome work from uh, Spider Man Life Story. Uh, which was another beautifully illustrated book. But yeah, this we were talking earlier about how maybe Thor has a bit more depth to it. Venom is very much Donny Kate's rock and roll book. Um, just full of kick-ass moments, big reveals, good cliffhangers. Uh, yeah, uh, really, really digging Venom at the moment, I have to say. Uh, you have one more you want to spotlight, Keith, before we finish on one we all... Yeah, absolutely. Um, just whenever we're talking about Thor, we're going to uh, just keep it with Jason Aaron. And, uh, Look, Keith, he's not writing Thor anymore. Get over it. He's not, but he is writing Avengers. <laughs> um, of which Thor is a part. So we're in an interesting place with Avengers. Um, you know, the, we know the Avengers. The Avengers were born to fight the foes that no single superhero could withstand. But over the last over the last 31 issues uh, under Jason Aaron um, and, uh, and uh, Ed McGuinness, um, the Avengers foes have been stacking up uh, on all sides. So on one side we've got uh, we've got Agent Coulson of Agents of Shield fame, uh, and he's unhappy that the Avengers are under Wakandan leadership. You know, because the Black Panther is the chairman of the Avengers currently. He has formed the Squadron Supreme of America to protect U.S. interests. You remember that fantastic uh, story? Um, it was in an annual, wasn't it? Or no, it was uh, during the War of the Realms of the Squadron Supreme of America, and it was really, oh, you know, it's just... it was just a, a, a Justice League sort of a nod, because that's what the Squadron Supreme nod. are. <laughs> um, you know, so, but what, what people don't know is that Agent Coulson is operating under Mephisto's uh, beck and call. Uh, Namor, uh, who, as we know through uh, Invaders, has, you know, he's formed his Defenders of the Deep, you know, and all that sort of stuff, and uh, he's furious at the carelessness of the surface world toward the environment. Um, and then you've got the former King of Hell. He's got a special interest in Tony Stark. Tony Stark's been rocketed into the past. He's now just back. And then Russia have reassembled the Winter Guard. And, uh, you know, the Vampire Nation have now taken up residence in uh, the sarcophagus at Chernobyl oh, uh, and all sorts yeah. of stuff. So, so, you know, with all of this going on, you know, how much longer can can peace hold? So... We have a great, uh, a great first scene in the Mariana Trench, seven miles down, the deepest part of the ocean floor, in a, a place called David Jones Saloon, which is the deepest bar in the world. And we have Namor drinking 
you know, and uh, the barman goes, another sponge of blobfish grog, <laughs> you know, and Neymar's going, extra salty, <laughs> you know, so you're kind of wondering, yeah, how do, how do Atlanteans drink? How do they get drunk? But apparently they, they just use sponges of some sort of... <laughs> they absorb. They absorb, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, this this one guy, he's uh, he's talking to Neymar about this, the barman, you know, Neymar's going, watch your, watch your mouth and, you know... The barman's going, I'm not, I'm an Atlantean, I don't watch my mouth. He goes, I think you should make alliances with the Avengers. We need to take out the Avengers, you know, and you should make alliances with the, the Avengers enemies. What about those vampires, you know? And then the vampires, meanwhile, are, you know, in Chernobyl. And, uh, and uh, she's saying, you know, they, they started their new nation and then, and one of, Dracula's allies is going. We need allies against our event, our enemies. Uh, what about uh, what about the Winter Guard? What about the Russians? You know. And meanwhile, in Russia, the uh, the Winter Guard's butler is going something very very similar and saying, "Here, what about uh, <laughs> you know what about such and such? You know, so you know what about King Namor or Dracula? You know, so it's all going around here. Um, you know, there's a lot uh, there's a lot going on and. Uh, and of course, it turns out at the very, very end that uh, that Mephisto is playing all of these. You know, he's playing the barman, he's playing Dracula's aide, he's playing the Winter Guard's butler. He's, you know, he's in Agent Coulson's ear. Uh, so, for whatever reason, Mephisto was assembling all his various pieces against the Avengers, and uh, and somewhere in the darkness and the deep, Namor has decided that uh, he's going to call upon. Uh, an entity that he was once very, very briefly joined to, and that is the Phoenix. So I don't know if we're coming up to the Avengers versus the Phoenix, but I'll tell you what, Avengers 33 is Moon Knight versus the Avengers. Oh, wow. So uh, it says, Mummies are rising from their graves. Secret armies march by moonlight from Kunlun to Wakanda to Greenwich Village. A dark god invades Asgard, and the Moon Knight has been unleashed as never before. So begin the Age of Khonshu. So fall the Avengers. So... Nice. I know you're a Midnight fan, so yeah. he's coming up in the next issue, written by Jason Aaron, no less. Yeah, Midnight's sort of popping up on a few things here and there, wasn't he? In one of the Conan books, was it uh, Serpent War? Serpent War, it was yeah. Serpent War, yeah. Yep. But doesn't seem to have his actual, uh, doesn't seem to have his actual own title. Uh, but one person who does have his own title, and is a book I think we are all reading and enjoying, is... Hawkeye Freefall, number Matthew four. Rosenberg's title. Rosenberg and on, Otto Schmidt. Uh, writing Otto Schmidt on art. Uh, I will get my one bugbear out of the way quickly, and that is that the cover promised a fight between Daredevil and Hawkeye. It did not deliver. I know, that. but what, what it did deliver was it fantastic. It delivered some <laughs> awesome humor. And I do have to ask as well, continuity-wise, where does this take place? Like Hawkeye seems really confused that Daredevil's blind. He's like, can he not see out of that mask? And he like waves his hand in front of his face and stuff. Is that just that he doesn't think he can see through the No, no, mask? Hawkeye, Hawkeye doesn't know that that, that Matt Murdock never is known? Daredevil. No? no, he's never oh, known. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I was just curious about that. Yep. So it was. So, um, yeah, so continuing the good work of uh, Matthew Rosenberg. Well, sorry, he did know because there was a time that everybody knew who Daredevil was. Yeah. But that changed. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, so I was I was all geared up for this awesome fight between Daredevil and Hawkeye and, you know, two really skilled hand-to-hand fighters. Hawkeye standing there in the Ronin armor. Yeah, you know, sort of so- talking to himself. He's like, this is bad, Daredevil. This is bad, Clint. <laughs> um, so I was fully expecting that kind of thing, but then 
Daredevil doesn't actually know who the Clint is standing there in the running outfit, for example. I, I think it's I think it's yeah. So <laughs> Daredevil's good, you know, when it comes to his senses, but just to some degree, I suppose, if you're looking at it with a radar sense, the Ronin armor probably looks very much like the Hawkeye costume. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was kind of looking at it. It's got a skirty thing hanging between the legs, and it's you know, so you know, so Daredevil starts having this conversation with Clint. Clint's expecting this knockdown, dragout fight, which is what Alan was expecting, you know, and you know, Daredevil just starts talking to him, and Clint's like, "What? What is going on? What is you know?" And then of course, Daredevil starts to detect, you know, Clint's change in heart rate because he's lying his arse off, you know. <laughs> It's, it's so it's funny. Yeah, I'm sort of waving his hand in front of his <laughs> face. It's just great. Wait, can he never see? Is he friggin' blind? You know, and then he's like, why are you doing that? And he's like, sorry, not blind. Not, not blind. blind. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it's all set up. They're basically setting up a tax, uh, task force, sorry, to uh, go after Ronan. He is, of course, Clint. Who is, of course, Clint, who Daredevil would know this if he could see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but what was really funny about this was they all set it all up. And then Daredevil just doesn't show. <laughs> so you've got uh, Bucky there. You've got Falcon. Um, who Night Thrasher. Night Thrasher. Oh, yes, that's what that one was. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was like, and all you got back was me. I want a new recruiter. He's not even coming. No. Oh, what a jerk. Yeah, it's just the whole the whole thing. The whole uh, thing now at this stage has just got so convoluted and ridiculous, you know, that, you know, Clint is Hawkeye and Ronan. Uh, he's already had used a, t- a limited time machine in order to jump back in time to be in two places at once in order to convince Falcon and Winter Soldier that he's not Ronan. Uh, he's going up against the Hood because he's really pissed off because he took down the Hood and the Hood's out of prison. Um, so instead of hitting the Hood directly, he's hitting all the Hood's businesses and making a lot of money, which he's putting straight back into screwing the Hood over. Um, but he's trying not to. He's trying not to show anybody that that's the case. Um, he has liberated a life model decoy of himself um, in order to. Which so, his other half did not appreciate. No, him storing it in his not. closet. Yeah, night nurse, and he's so he's and he's working with the hoods hacker who, you know, also knows that he is ruined but hasn't revealed it to anybody yet. So, um, so yeah. So then we bring into this mix a scroll. This is the best part of it. Yeah, scroll who is <laughs> scroll who's making his money as a dancer on the uh, on the subway on the New York subway, and uh, it just Clint just can't plan, you know. So there's now a, a, a team assembled which includes the aforementioned uh, Falcon Winter Soldier, uh, D Man Mockingbird, and U.S. Agent, the former some of the former members of Forceworks or the West Coast Avengers, who was Hawkeye's team. So. <laughs> It starts off with um, he wants the scroll to masquerade as Ronan and then it all goes a wee bit pear-shaped and he decides he's going to be Ronan and the scroll has to, mas- has to masquerade as, as Hawkeye. Now bear in mind that Mockingbird is Hawkeye's ex-wife. Um, so that's a thing as well. So Hawkeye ends up having to take down US Agent and having to you know, change his plan halfway through and it just gets a wee bit more complicated because... The, the life model decoy appears on the scene uh, as as Ronan because he overheard because he overheard stuff, him planning yeah. stuff uh, so he has to 
effectively take out the life model decoy and then Spider-Man appears and he has to <laughs> convince Spider-Man that he's only here because he's in a mission with Captain America and then he has to play the friendship <laughs> card with Spider-Man to make Spider-Man stop kicking the crap out of him and and then, you know, it all goes a wee bit more pear-shaped just to add, just to add insult to injury is... You know, they decide that the you know, they've already Clint has already screwed up the stakeout, you know, and to add insult to injury, you know, Mockingbird, Bobby, his ex wife who he still pines for, invites Clint, who is the scroll playing Clint. He says, Well, that was embarrassing, you know, for you, uh, buy you a nightcap and <laughs> The scroll, not knowing the situation, goes, No, thank you, Mockingbird. I'm just going to walk home alone. And she's like, Okay. <laughs> Clint will never know this. We'll never know that his ex wife is interested, you know, and in, in at least buying him a drink and <laughs> hanging out, you know. And Winter Soldier's like, Bobby, did uh, he just call you Mockingbird? <laughs> you know? So it was just, ah, uh, it was great. Matthew Rosenberg's a great writer. Yeah, just a lot of great humor moments, just very quick moments as well. Um, Early on, there's a great moment where uh, Clint's talking to Falcon and he says to him, why do you think Ronan is coming? And Falcon says, he's tough, but he's dumb. And then there's like an internal monologue from Clint going, you're dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Even though he's trying to maintain his secret identity and all the rest, he still can't get over that. Uh, You know, he has that arrogance about him. Then, Uh, you know, the the very last panel, Bullseye appears as if things couldn't get worse. Uh, Bullseye (laughs) appears and, you know, he appears to the the Clint Hawkeye scroll, you know, and uh, so it's it just as all looks like it's going pear shape. But then I see next it says in the sights of Bullseye, either that's a spelling mistake worthy of uh, the game trader, or yeah, <laughs> or or there's something more going on there. It's sights s i t e s or sights s i g h t s, you know. So interesting. Would that be like, you know, different locations or different sites? Yeah, I don't know. Not sure. Not sure. But I, I just, I don't, this book is it's just brilliant. Just That's take brilliant. a screen grab of that, send it to Matthew Rosenberg and just say, so is this a spelling mistake, good sir? Or uh, maybe something else afoot just here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we all enjoy that. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's only one more issue as well, which is a bit of a shame. Um, Pure shenanigans, I'd say. Shenanigans indeed. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that sort of that brings to an end. Then the honorable mentions for the titles released on eleventh of March. Uh, we'll finish off them with uh, the same way we always like to with what we're looking forward to this new comic book day. Uh, for me, it's a real mixture of stuff. Uh, the three that mainly stand out. So there's one of those 80th anniversary uh, one shots for Robin, which I'm looking forward to because. You can have a lot of variety there. You know, you can have your Dick Grayson Robin, you can have your Tim Drake Robin, you can have your Damien, you can have Carrie Kelly. So there's a lot of scope for story there. Uh, Undiscovered Country number five. Uh, of course, uh, Schneider has plenty to prove now that uh, Hickman is trying to move the goalposts. I should say <laughs> Schneider and Charles Soule. Um And then there's a small indie one that I'm really looking forward to, which is called Hotel. Uh, except the, L, the Hotel is spelled with two L's at the end. Uh, the reason I'm looking forward to this is it's uh, from writer John Lees, who was the writer of Sync, uh, also more recently of Mountainhead as well, which I'm digging. Uh, the little 
blurb for that is you won't find it on any map but if you happen to be driving down route 66 late Mm. at night and you're truly desperate for shelter sanctuary or secrecy you might see a battered sign on the side of the road the Piero Courts Hotel where many check in but few check out sounds like an eagle song it it just looks very sink-ish to me you know it's going to be one (laughs) sort of one shot stories all that kind of stuff so so those are the the three for me how about yourself Roddy uh, so what have I got? Some I'm gonna go. Something is killing the children. Number six. Looking Good forward shout. to that. Um, yeah, saw the trade in Coffee and Heroes the other day, and it's the first five issues. But yep. um, it doesn't really seem to buy to the um, complete story arc. The idea. arc nature yeah. of it all. Yeah. Um, looking forward to Bang Number Two, which is Matt. Kent on oh yeah that was the, the James Bondy James type Bond dealio one. yeah uh, James Bond turned on its head and what was my other one undone by yes blood undone by blood um, shadow of a wanted man to give it its proper title that's another number two oh I, I read of, the first uh, issue of that didn't I yeah well yeah, yeah. yeah. God, I'm looking forward to that too. Um, really. Yeah, sort of a neo neo noir western uh, set in the seventies. Yeah, it's been it, the first one was really really good. So yeah, looking forward to number two. That's after aftershock title as well. We're we're digging some aftershock. Mm, there's a, there's a couple aftershock. Join the future. There was last week. Um, very very good sort of title. Yep. What about you, Keith? Uh, so I'm also really looking forward to Undiscovered Country. Um, number five, as is Alan. Uh, I'm looking forward to Middle West number sixteen because we're getting close to the end now. The end is inside. Uh, the last three issues. I think this is going to be my most looked for title over the next three months. Um, don't want it to end, but really looking forward to seeing how it ends. And the return of Die 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 by Robert Kirkman. Oh, cool! So oh. Uh, Kirkman's yeah. ode to eighties. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. Looking very, forward to very that indie, too. Yeah, it's a, I mean, there. there's some really good Marvel stuff coming out. I'm looking forward to X Force, Captain America, all the good stuff, you know. But uh, those are the ones that are standing out for me. Yeah, Deceased Unkillables number two is this week as well, uh, which uh, I think will be really good as well. So, yeah, plenty of good stuff as always. So, fingers crossed the delivery arrives in tomorrow. <laughs> slash today whenever you're listening to this <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah so that is going to do it for us for this reviews podcast uh, pleasure joined by the guys as always yeah and, uh, and uh, folks out there just uh, just sort of stay safe and uh, look after each and other look after each other look after your elders um, especially and uh, you know just keep washing your hands and <laughs> and uh, social distancing is the is the thing it's it's hard but yeah, uh, and and stop stockpiling stuff. You know, exactly. it's okay. the The supermarkets will be there. They will look after you. They will stay open. Yeah, Italy and Spain are on lockdown, and you can still get out to go to the supermarket. So, <laughs> I don't think our listeners would stockpile. No, they're community minded <laughs> individuals. Too yeah. good looking and too 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 kind. Just yeah, be kind to each other, folks. Exactly. The world will keep on turning one way or another. So, yeah, that's it from us. Hopefully see you in store. Hopefully we'll still be open. (laughs) Keep on winging it. And good night. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Coffee and Heroes, a comic book and coffee shop in Smithfield Market, Belfast. 
You can find us on all the usual social media outlets at Coffee Heroes One on Twitter, at Coffee and Heroes on Instagram, and just search Coffee and Heroes on Facebook. This podcast is also produced in association with Fracture Press, an independent comic label also based in Belfast. You can find Fracture Press on all major social media platforms. If you do like what we do, please rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and most importantly, spread the word.